Aloha, Penn Nation. What's up, guys? You are now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and we are back yet again with another great episode. This is episode 75. We have an incredibly stacked list of guests from all across the globe for you folks. But before we get into tonight's lineup, you already know what's up. Your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. We're your premier source for all things mixed martial arts. Our team is always hard at work to bring you guys the most reliable information, all the breaking news, tons of exclusive content, the viral videos, you name it, we've got it. BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. As you know, we've relaunched the site. I talked about it last week. Looks awesome. Make sure you check it out if you haven't already. We've added some new features, new content. We've improved the site navigation as well. And we've not only got BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, which you're listening to right now, but we've got BJPenn Play-By-Play Radio featuring BJ himself breaking down the fights as they unfold. Our newest project for all you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners out there, BJJ with BJ. We're bringing you guys technique and instruction from the man himself, the prodigy BJ Penn. You guys can ask him to go over any technique, break it down, using the hashtag BJJ with BJ. And speaking of technique, we've partnered up with Evolve MMA. They've been putting out some awesome instructional content, really cool stuff with Shinya Aoki, uh, other big names as well so far, much, much more to come. So make sure you guys check that out. All that and much more, everything you crave from the sport you love, BJPenn.com, the fighter's voice, we have got you covered, guys. So tonight's guest list. We kick things off with our good friend Dwayne Ludwig. Bang returns to the show to talk to us about the stalled negotiations between TJ Dillashaw and Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson for this super fight that we we all have been clamoring for it to happen. Uh, I think if you don't want to see that fight, you're crazy. So we'll discuss that with him. We'll talk a bit about him preparing Curtis Blades for his upcoming bout against Alistair Overeem. And also some cool projects that Dwayne has coming up. A huge seminar in New York City. We'll discuss all that and much more. Always a great conversation with Dwayne Ludwig. Our second guest of the evening, UFC featherweight Artem Lobov. He's scheduled to face Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres at UFC 223 in Brooklyn. We'll be previewing the fight. We're going to get his thoughts on the matchup stylistically, break it down a bit. We're going to talk about the importance of this victory in regards to him being cut by the UFC. You know, if he thinks this is a... a do-or-die situation. We'll discuss his options outside of the octagon. He's got a lot of offers. You're going to hear it coming up here in just a little bit. We'll also be discussing how happy he is to compete in front of the Irish and Russian communities in Brooklyn. He's very excited for that. And, of course, we'll also talk about Conor McGregor. Third guest of the evening, UFC heavyweight prospect Justin Willis, 2-0 and in the UFC right now. Coming off of a huge KO, Big Pretty, great nickname for the guy, full of personality, can't say enough about him. He's got a fight coming up with Chase Sherman in Atlantic City. Unfortunately, we spoke to him prior to that fight being announced, so you will not hear anything about that fight. Uh, He couldn't really give us the details at the time that, that we had this conversation, but we did talk about the division. We talked about life at AKA, uh, of course, Daniel Cormier. Cain Velasquez, Khabib Nurmagomedov, and much, much more. This kid has a great story. I shouldn't even call him a kid. He's probably older than me. Guy has a great story. 
like I said, a ton of personality. And I think that if he can uh, if he can continue to win in the UFC, he's got a very bright future ahead of him, just like anybody would. But man, is he marketable, in my humble opinion. So that's our third guest of the evening. The fourth guest. And our fourth guest this evening, a guy I'm very excited to speak with. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu phenom making his highly anticipated MMA debut this weekend at one championship, Iron Will, in Bangkok, Thailand. The guy submitted everybody there is to submit in any tournament he's competed in, whether it be Gi, no Gi, you name it, the lion killer himself, Gary Tonin. We're going to get the inside scoop on his training camp and the lead up for the, his MMA debut. As I said, highly anticipated. Everybody wants to see what he can do within the cage in mixed martial arts. He's accomplished everything there is to accomplish in the grappling world for the most part fairly certain he's gotten anyway great conversation with him we discuss it all his title ambitions how quickly he would like to climb the ranks is this a permanent stay for him will he still compete in brazilian jiu-jitsu we'll talk about the future of sport jiu-jitsu as well gi no gi tournament submission only all that stuff i talked to him for about 45 minutes I could have spoke with the guy for three hours if we had the time. Awesome conversation. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. So that's our fourth guest, Gary Tonin. And our fifth guest of the evening, one half of the headlining bout for one Iron Will, the current bantamweight champ with that promotion, training partner of Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, the Flash himself, Bibiano Fernandez. He's going to be looking to defend this title against uh, a highly ambitious guy who's already got two titles in the organization, looking to make it a third in Martin Nguyen. We're going to preview the fight, get Bibiano's thoughts on Martin's ambitions to become a three-weight champ. Is that fair to the other contenders in the other divisions, holding up three divisions, three titles? We'll discuss the weight cut as well, what Bibiano himself has left to accomplish in MMA. He's already accomplished so much. Of course, we'll talk a bit about Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson where he's at in his recovery. Did Bibiano get a chance to train with him for this fight? And a whole lot more. Great conversation with Bibiano as well. And our sixth guest of this Superstack show, the other half of this title showdown going down this weekend at One Iron Will in Bangkok, Thailand. The man who intends on taking this third strap for the record books, the situation himself, Martin Nguyen. Now, he's on the verge of holding three titles simultaneously, as I just talked about, incredibly ambitious. I know I say that over and over again here, but that's quite frankly what it is. He'll also be previewing this fight with us, giving us his thoughts on Bibiano as an opponent. He'll clarify his intentions on defending all three of these titles, should he win on Saturday. Any concerns about the weight cut that people are having, he'll address that as well. And of course, we'll discuss his breakthrough into superstardom and everything that he brings to the table in that Asian market. Again, another awesome conversation with a guy that we should all keep our eye on. He truly has potential to be one of the biggest stars in this business. And our final guest of the evening, guest number seven for episode 75, closing out tonight's show, Ultimate Fighter alumni, UFC welterweight, Diego Lima. We're going to be breaking down his upcoming bout against fellow MMA vet Yushin Okami in Glendale, Arizona on April 14th at UFC on Fox 29. 
Uh, we'll discuss what this opportunity means for his career. Big name, household name in Yushin Okami. Big opportunity for Diego Lima. You'll also hear about Diego's thoughts on the uh, hard-fought and highly debatable loss, quite frankly, suffered by his brother Douglas uh, against Rory McDonald. We'll discuss Diego's frustrations following the announcement that his last opponent, Jesse Taylor, failed his drug test with USADA. It seems to be water under the bridge for him at this point, but we'll chat about that a little bit. Of course, how he's matured as an athlete, what he expects next with the big win over Yushinokami in Glendale, and much more. Like I said, it's a stack show. BJPen.com, we always bring you the best we can do, and this week, it's one hell of an episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. This is BJPen.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Kicking things off tonight, our boy, Dwayne Ludwig. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show one of my absolute favorite guests and good friend of BJPenn.com, the real-life master splinter, Dwayne Bang Ludwig. Dwayne, what's going on, man? How is life at the academy today? Uh, life is awesome, man. I just love teaching and sharing martial arts. I'm, I'm here now at the academy and just love life. You know, I, have a, I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy what I do, that's for sure. How you doing, sir? How, how's BJPenn.com going? How's BJ doing? Ah uh, man, BJ. I he, needs to, I need to, he needs to come out here. I'll go to Hawaii. I know it, man. Like I, I, I think I've tried to exchange your guys' numbers before. I'll definitely do that for sure. But uh, I have his number. I'll shoot him a text. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, no, things are all right over here, man. We've got some new projects going on. He's doing some cool stuff. He's he's uh trying to branch out and and uh take fan questions on Brazilian jiu-jitsu technique and and do videos on oh, that. Cool. So yeah, very cool stuff, man, for sure. That's yeah, that's awesome because you know he knows too much not to teach, right? So for him just to uh, well not share his knowledge would be a detriment to the human race, the martial arts for sure, right? So yeah, hopefully <laughs> he's, uh, he's teaching and sharing and doing what he should be doing. Absolutely, man. Speaking of teaching, you know, obviously there's there's several several things I wanted to discuss with you, but first, man, I see you've been a part of some really huge seminars lately, and uh, even more to come. I know you've always done some stuff with Sensei Rutan, but I saw Jose Aldo, Chinzo Machida, Andy Sauer. You've been pretty busy teaching into skills, to say the least, man. Talk to us about these super seminars, who's putting them together, and how much fun are you having with that? Uh, you know, I always love teaching martial arts. I focus on, well, sharing martial arts and my version of martial arts through my BMT umbrella. This is one of the times that I've chosen to step outside of the BMT umbrella and share some knowledge through another, I guess, avenue, hence the super seminars that's ran by Jonathan Ruiz and Cynthia Ruiz from Striking 101 in New York. He is the one who's put this all together. He was the guy who, uh, yeah, he's orchestrating the deal. And it is me, Cynthia Ruiz, Andy Sauer. Jose Aldo's out now and is actually TJ's replacing him. So it's going to be TJ and Andy Sauer teaching on Sunday, Boss and I on Saturday. And then Shinzo and Shane on Friday. So, um, you know, just teaching and sharing martial arts. And, uh, you know, every seminar that I do is big because I teach from the heart and soul and make sure I teach what I feel is correct and truthful and to help out and to give back, uplift, and inspire. So um, there's no difference in what I'm going to do with everything I do here at my dojo. It's the same thing I'm going to do at every seminar that I do is to teach uh, passionately, right? So uh, it's good to come together and... You know, I I care too much about martial arts to not make it a system. I think that's how something is 
strong is when you bring something together and organize it. So to bring the business to kickboxing and actually structure it and make it an actual system, which comes from Sansarun, I just continue to develop it and now to have other people uh, be a part of that and to introduce ranking and, and structure and stuff as well is going to be huge because Andy Sauer is talking about doing that. So it's Nick Hammers, so, you know, very, you know, credible, high-level striking fighters and coaches are starting to implement the system as well. Not banging with Ty, but implementing the actual assistant to striking, right? So right. we're going to come together and make sure that we have, and I, we've already done, we've already talked on the phone. I've talked to Andy Sauer, uh, obviously, since I ruined my own knowledge, TJ, all the guys that I know, since uh, I Ruiz as well, and said, hey, if you train for six months, what should, you know, what are the basics of kickboxing? So it was fun and fascinating to pick Nick Hammer's brain and then Andy Sauer. And then uh, I was looking forward to picking Jose Aldo's brain, but he's out. But um, I already feel I have a pretty vast knowledge of striking and how to improvise, and improvise it all. But to come together and come to the same conclusion that, yes, this is the basics, this is the basics, and mapping out a system, and now sharing that with the world is, is exciting. It's definitely exciting. So right. they give you a long answer on this. There we go. Long answer. <laughs> anyway, we're all coming together to have an actual system. You know what I mean? There's, like, there's the karate system, there's taekwondo, and there's all the strikes and everything, and there's the katas. We have the same thing, except katas are actual combinations that have been proven to be successful, right? So anyway, it's nice to have more credible striking coaches and fighters come on board and start adapting the system to make it an actual product, I guess. Absolutely. And I got to say, man, I mean, I've just see, I've seen pictures of uh... – your seminars with boss at, at the honored Academy and all, and all that yeah. stuff. I mean, the, the turnouts are huge and I can only imagine with a couple more big names, you know, you're, you're, you're really spreading your, your message of martial arts to a lot of people. And it's very, very cool stuff to see, but you know, you, and, you mentioned Andy Sauer, that's gotta be really cool to pick his brain and kind of take whatever valuable information from him that you can. Right. Oh, heck yeah. Cause he, you know, to be honest, I have why I talked to him over the phone uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the basics of kickboxing, and it was fascinating to hear his take on martial arts and what he teaches, and when he takes a new student, because it wasn't, you know, what's the best, most craziest combinations you do, it was, if you have a day one student, how should you teach him? If you could go back and redo things, what would you do? So that was, those were the, uh, the important questions, and one thing that he said is he likes to have people find the coordination with their body. He doesn't really care about the technique too much, but having them coordinate with the body and to develop the power and transfer that into strikes was more important than the actual technique because once they know how to have the coordination with the body, then it's just fine-tuning the details of the technical aspect. So that's something that I never really thought of because I show people the patterns. Like, you know, here's here's three hands, got cross up. Get that down, and you memorizing the pattern, you'll eventually become coordinated with it. But... He had a different approach, which I found, you know, interesting. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was nice. It was definitely, to literally pick the brain of a martial art master was cool. Right, That's just what right. I do. I'm the Google for martial arts. So I can organize <laughs> it all and find out exactly what works and how to train it safe and effectively. Very cool stuff, man. Very cool stuff. You'll have to plug the yeah, dates sorry. on all of these. Up- is, I'm just a fight nerd, right? So I love this. Right, right. You'll have to plug all the dates on the on this upcoming stuff when we wrap this up, but uh, let's get right into it, man. First things first, last time we spoke and last time I spoke to TJ, the fight with Mighty Mouse was all but finalized. Both parties wanted it, the UFC wanted it, and we just needed a date. Demetrius goes on the MMA Hour on Monday, says he's got a big announcement. We all get excited, think that it's going to be the announcement for the fight, but apparently on his end and on TJ's end, negotiations have kind of stalled for this. Uh, what, what's the holdup in your opinion? 
hold up is probably dates and money, I'm assuming. I don't know, though, so I got to be careful what I say, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know what the hold up is because I'm not in on those meetings, and I don't really want to be, right? I, I, I focus my efforts on the actual martial aspect and improving TJ and his martial arts in general and peaking him and finding out, again, what actually works, but... The business side, I try to, you know, let them figure that out on their own. But, of course, I'm a resource for information. But I don't know. Short answer. I really don't know. Yeah, no, fair I mean, enough. You can, you can make up whatever you want, right? Money or dates. It's probably one of those two things. Yeah, fair enough. I know and, TJ's, and, yeah. And I'd never want you to speculate on anything that, that you know, you weren't privy to. So I, I totally understand that. But, you know, it, I, I, I want to I be sure that the UFC hasn't lost interest in this. You know, I think that considering how the company's been moving in the direction of super fights, they should be pushing for this one. Right, yeah. It's definitely a money fight, right? And that's what this sport has turned into quite a bit is money. I mean, that's just life and civilization. So it was definitely a huge money fight. I I see this one taking place. I don't know what the holdup is. Uh, I'll pay double uh, for the Wi-Fi, or the Wi-Fi, for the pay-per-view to watch it, even though I'm going to be there, right? But I'll still pay double. <laughs> right. <laughs> So the wife can, you know, buy it and record it and get home and watch it again. Now, are you guys still hopeful that the fight's going to happen at this point? Is TJ still dieting yeah, as if so. the fight just is for, next? Just for, like, just, well, for me, well, for, for selfishly for me as a martial arts fan in there to see exactly how good I can help TJ become. Again, it's not all me or the system. It's a combination of quite a few things. A lot of them are intangible, but just I, I want to see how good a martial arts or a human being can perform, right? And TJ is the prime example, prime student, I should say, um, being to, to pull this off. Uh, and, and then obviously the counterpart is Demetrius. You know, he's one of the best martial artists to ever be on this earth that we have a record of. So I want to see this fight take place selfishly as a martial artist. Now, for TJ's stake... You know, it's what he should do because he's a light 35er. It doesn't make sense for him to go up to 45. It makes sense for him to go down to 125. It actually is not going to be as hard as people think. So uh, that's that's the money fight in his division because who else is there? There's not, you know, I mean, obviously there's Cruz. You want the Cruz rematch, and then uh, we'll see what happens in the future as well. But you know, it'd be nice, in my opinion, to go down and fight Demetrius, get the belt, and then go back up and fight Cruz. Right, we'll right. We'll see what happens. Right, so so at this point, TJ's still dieting as if this fight is next. Well, he's all, he's always, uh, again, he's not, again, a big 45 or a big 35, I'm sorry. So um, he's always eating clean anyway, but he is in, he's lining up for that weight, yes. Okay. Because, I mean, if, if he has to go back up to, you know, 135, that's not going to be hard, so. Right, right, right. Well, he, he just, he's such a, he just, he's by far the most dedicated guy um, yeah, he's way more dedicated than I ever was. So when that guy does something, he does it all the way. Right. Well, I know you guys were, were you know, really wanted the matchup and you had a solid game plan for dethroning Mighty Mouse. I know you think that you guys could solve that puzzle. Uh, that That that's is his skill. Well, that's true, though, right? Dethroning Mighty Mouse. But I don't look at it that way. I look at it as finding, you know, getting TJ to his peak performance. That's how I look at it. I, find the, I don't look at it as like, or, you know, Dethroning anybody, obviously that's the goal. Well, the we'll goal is to beat Demetrius, but my ultimate goal is to get TJ to perform in his full potential. And I'm waiting to see what it is because we haven't grasped that yet. So that's why I find fantastic. But anyway, just as far as lining up goals, sorry. 
No, no, no. I, I totally understand. I just know that in previous conversations, you know, you, you seem to have a game plan, uh, maybe not so much a game plan, but you seem to believe that all of TJ's skills and techniques and his abilities, you guys will be able to get that job done and, and defeat Demetrius. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I feel TJ will be the champion at 125. And he has every capability to do so so yes well i I truly hope that that these negotiations pick back up soon and the fight does get made but you know with no clear contenders at bantamweight if this fight was to fall through what would you like to see happen next for tj how long is too long for him to be out of competition well we waited i think it was a little over a year to fetch the title so i don't want that to happen again right but you know We'll see what happens. I don't really have it. There's really nobody. I think isn't uh, what's Cruz's situation now? Do you know? Uh, I want to say he's still sidelined. Although I just saw him winning some like uh, off-road derby race car thing. So I don't know what his deal is. Okay. I don't. I don't think he has a fight lined up yet, though. Okay. So that that's me. You know, uh, personally, I would like to see that. So Demetrius, and then or Cruz. Right. Right. So I guess at this point it's just a waiting game for you guys, man. Yeah, you know we're we're waiting, but we're always when well, we're not he and I or he's in California training right now. TJ and handling some business and stuff. I'm in Colorado, but we're always improving and maintaining, and we're not maintaining. We're always improving and getting better. So that's just the goal. It's always to improve. So uh, hopefully that we have the sights for the 125 pound belt. But until then, we're just always improving regardless. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving on from your star pupil and TJ. Another one of your students who's making some waves right now is Curtis Blades. Uh, I know we've discussed him previously. Yeah, man, hell yeah. I, I know we've discussed him uh, briefly in previous conversations, but, you know, now that he's ranked number five in the world, you must be getting really excited about this kid's potential. I don't work with him as much as I work with TJ. His main coach is Vinny Lopez from Vital Strength and Fitness, I think it is, right. and he trains at high altitude as well. Uh, he comes to my morning pro, my morning classes a couple times a week. So he's not a one of my religious pupils, I would say, but when he is in here, you know, he's like any top 10, top 5 world-class athlete. He just picks everything up right away, you know. And he's a good student, real humble guy. Uh, you know, I love having the guy here. You know, it's, it's, it's nice for me to, it's my, you know, my service back to the world, you know, to come to perpetuate my art and my philosophies of, of arts and, and have him become more successful with it. You know, it's very rewarding. It's like to see him take the punches of Mark Hunt and then take him down and then win that fight. <laughs> and to, uh, see him, you know, I love Overeem. But I don't think it's a great matchup for Overeem. I think Curtis is going to beat Overeem, and he has the power to stop him, and he definitely has the wrestling to to beat to beat him. Like, we all know that. Well, I know that I know that you've said that you don't work with uh, Curtis extensively, but I mean, when it comes to him coming into training, you know, when he has these fights lined up, are you working on strategizing and technique with him in that regard? Yeah, I do scare that my classes around. So one thing I do with my classes. And I've always kind of done, I have my set system of bang with tie of, you know, well, I shouldn't say it's a set system because there's a whole, whole bunch of mapped out patterns of successful combinations and drills, right? Well, combinations and then drills to make those muscle memory is, is, my, is my process. But, you know, I'm continually updating the system by watching current fights and such. And one of my tools for that development is having Curtis come in, having TJ come in, having these, well, I'm always having people circulating to my dojo. And I asked them, you know, what's your skill set? Who are you fighting? 
what's the puzzle? What's the riddle to beat this guy? So, short story, I have my set curriculum of stuff, but I sprinkle in ways of the system, how it can be successful for a certain fight or scenario. So, right. um, when he comes in, you know, what do you want to work on? You know, I, I think Hunt's good at this, okay, Overham's good at this, let's make sure we do this and this, and, you know, this is some stuff from the system, here's some new stuff that we're figuring out right now, and then, you know, always updating stuff to the system. So, you know, we actually have uh, a good chunk of our system that's called the ream, to, to ream, like to, to cross ream, to hook ream. Ream is an actual audio command in our system, so... Yeah, it's kind of ironic and funny that uh, Curtis Reams fighting him, and uh, he may do an actual ream on Overeem. <laughs> well, that that obviously lends itself to to Boss's history with Alistair before they split up, and you know how that all kind of trickles down through throughout the lineage there. Uh, so that makes that makes total sense to me. But inter- interestingly enough, man, the last time I spoke to Curtis, uh, obviously we talked about you. He speaks very highly of you, but he talked about how much I am you- awesome. Yeah, you sure are, man. He he, t- <laughs> he talked about how much you guys work on the pull cross, and I'm like, dude, this is a technique that I've discussed countless times with with Dwayne. Yeah. T- tell me about his progression as a martial artist in the realm of striking. I mean, how how much improvement are you seeing in him on a day to day? You know, it's again, he's, he's a world class athlete, so he's a coordinated human being that's very athletic. So whatever you show him, he picks it up pretty quick. And he's just, he's just always making games, and the more he's in here, the better he'll he'll become. Like, I mean, I can't say training with me is gonna provide success for sure, but it's definitely not going to hurt. I'll say that. So um, hopefully he'll be in here a bit more often, and we can make some more games. But when he is in here, he gets pretty good pretty fast because when he's here, um, when I, the way I run my classes, and you know, I just. I ask, I don't demand, I, I, I lead by example, I give respect, so I get respect. So when we have an hour of just consistent drilling, just getting after it, and like, there's just no bullshit, these guys get better fast. Right, right. And, and that's what you should expect when you have a, a well-thought-out uh, program like yours and, and, you know, guys come in and put in that hard work. So, uh, But, you know, in, in regards to Curtis, I mean, it sounds like you guys have a good relationship. I know he's not there full-time, but... You know, would you like to potentially be more involved with his camps moving forward, or? Uh, I'm definitely open to it, right? He's a, he's a, he's a good guy, and uh, his he picks up our style very well. Well, you know, our style, I keep referring to like our style, but, you know, I, I, I work with people. I meet him in the middle. So, right. uh, anyway, I would like to work with him more, yes, because he's a good guy. Uh, first and foremost, he's a good guy. He's not an asshole. So I have no problem working with him, helping him out. So the more he's in here, the better we'll become, and hopefully he'll be in here more, or we'll make some more arrangements to work together in the future. But I'm open to that, yes. Okay. So, you know, just because he's facing two elite strikers back-to-back now, I feel like working with you would be incredibly beneficial for him to ensure his success coming up against Alistair Overeem. Um, so, but, it, but it sounds like you guys are already working on some tricks and uh, some techniques and combinations that you think are going to be effective against Alistair. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, another guy to, to name drop, uh, Thomas Almeida, he reached out to me to possibly come to Colorado and train. So we'll see how that unfolds. Really? Yeah. So it was funny because I made a post about a year and a half ago or so, or two years ago, maybe I'm not quite sure, uh, saying that this kid's got a lot of potential. I would, He's someone that I would like to work with in the future. And then he reached out to me um, not long ago, and hopefully he'll come out and I can help him become better. Yeah, I, I agree with you. A ton of potential for him. And right when he stepped onto the scene, I was like, you know, incredible striking ability. But 
with a little bit more guidance and, and some of your fine tweaking, there's no reason that he can't become even better than what he is. So that would be very cool to see, man. I hope that comes to fruition. Uh, yeah, me as well. I think I can help the kid. That's for sure. You know, uh, yeah, this is what I do. I'm just, I'm OCD about martial arts, you know, finding ways to help people become better. That's my service back to the world. So it'd definitely be good to be able to help him out. Right. And while we're on elite striking, a little bit off topic here, did you get a chance to see uh, Badrhari versus Hedzi? What'd you think of that fight? If you if you saw it, I did not see it yet. I need to see it. What what happened? Is there something? Uh, over audio. Or? Ba- Bader got the uh, he got the he got the decision win, but you know uh, obviously Hedzi came on strong in the beginning, but Bader landed a, a lot of body shots, man, a lot of left hooks to the liver. Boss Rutten would be happy for sure, but uh, I was ho- I was hoping that you got a chance to see that fight. Just you know. Obviously, Botter being one of the baddest mamma jammas in the business. So, yeah, really, he definitely is. I have uh, one of my guys, Zach Wells, fighting in Glory March 31st in LA. So, I'll be out there. Speaking of Glory, anyway, so I'll be out there March 31st, and then the morning of March 31st, that Saturday, I'll be teaching a seminar at Legacy Jiu Jitsu at Alberto Cranes Academy in Burbank. So, it'd be BMT in Burbank, 11 to 1, and then Glory at night. Wow! Now, how- I teach Glory as well. I teach Bellator, and I teach Pride, and I teach UFC. Yeah, no, I was going to say, man, I, I, <laughs> I, know, I know we've talked about it before, but I believe, uh, how many fighters do you have under your umbrella that are competing in glory right now? I would say seven. Wow. Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. Well, we have the main guy, obviously, is TJ, but we have, you know, we have Sean Dante, is another guy who's coming up, who just turned pro, he's been kicking on it, but him and Sam Coots, our jiu-jitsu coach, our kids coach, They've been uh, really developing a nice mastermind game plan to be successful in style. So he's another guy to be looking out for. Oh, another guy too that we have who uh, is splitting half the cap here and going back and forth between here in Idaho is Matt Jones. Matt Jones is another guy you'll be seeing in the UFC this year for sure. And then uh, Josh Wick. Have you heard of Josh Wick yet? I no no name is not ringing a bell. Another guy who's not in the UFC but deserves to be. He's one of the main guys that we're we're uh, having TJ test his skills against for a lot of his previous fights while he was here in Colorado and Josh Wick is another guy who's going to be in the UFC but going back to but hurry I did not see his fight uh, definitely <laughs> good guy uh, good partner sorry I always hijack me my brain just takes off but that's the creativity flow right no, absolutely, man. Creative. I'm like split brain. No, man, I've, I've I've never I've never given you crap about it. I enjoy our conversations always, but uh, you know, t- sure. talking about all the these up- the listeners can follow. <laughs> talking about all these up and coming guys, it sounds like you have some more people on the team that haven't arrived just yet, but once they do, they're going to be something very special. Uh, they have the potential is there, yes, sir. The potential is there. Awesome, awesome. And, you know, speaking of uh, the jiu-jitsu program you have going, I believe I saw on social media that, that did you just expand the academy? I mean, square footage-wise, added some yeah, new rooms? Yeah, yes, sir. Added another 50%, so add another 2,500 square feet of mat space just so we can have more jiu-jitsu because our coach, Sam Coots, who is running our jiu-jitsu program, is kicking butt at that, so we had to add what well, had to but chose to expand the academy so we have more jiu-jitsu classes because the demand was there and the kids' classes and everything. So it's been awesome, man. He's, he's an awesome jiu-jitsu guy. I've been rolling with him a couple times a week. And then uh, we're under Professor Eddie Abney, who's one of my affiliates also in Forest Hill, Maryland. And I'll be out there April 7th, actually, to do a seminar in, uh, in Forest Hill, Maryland. Um, but he's our, our jiu-jitsu, the guy who's overseeing our jiu-jitsu. And, uh, yeah, we're just, you know, making sure we're having a good, safe, energetic atmosphere for people to grow and learn and have a good time. Awesome, man. Constant growth. That's what I like to hear. Always, man. I'm, I'm so blessed. 
blessed. I really am. I'm, 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 I'm blessed you know, to be able to help people out. It, it really is cool to be in a position to do this. Well, I'm, I'm a blessed guy. Yeah, you're also a deserving guy, man. You've always, always been a good dude. So, uh, you know, it, good things happen I, to good people I sometimes, you know? That. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Hey, not a problem, man. All right, listen, you've been more than generous with your time, as always. Let, let's wrap things up here. Uh, for all the fans still holding out hope that TJ Mighty Mouse comes to fruition, any words of encouragement you have that, that this fight gets made? Uh, any words of encouragement? Dana White, come on, baby. Let's make this fight happen. Summertime, International Fight Week. Let's make it happen. I'll, I'll double pay. <laughs> right. For the, uh, and, and, and that's the card, right? International Fight Week. That, that would be the card to do it. That makes sense for me. For what I have lined up already, it makes sense for TJ, what he has lined up already. Um, so, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I certainly hope that happens. And in conclusion, man. And again, I, I want to I test my my understanding of martial arts against him. Right. No, yeah, I know we've I know we discussed this before. I mean, he's one of the brilliant minds in martial arts as well. Uh, that it'd be... You know, yeah. How many guys has he produced? So... The the one the one FC champion is he still the champion his guy? Uh, Bibiano Fernandez. Yes. Yep. I mean Rich Franklin, Tim Boach worked with him, Demetrius Johnson. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there's a ton of guys. So. So after this fight, hopefully it goes through, and then after the fight, we'll see what happens. But I definitely like to go pick his brain and then sit down, just talk, just coffee, and watch him in class. And yeah, I'd like to go spend a week up there. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. And I, anyway, yeah, I think sorry. that we're wrapping this up, and I'm going off topic. <laughs> no, it's cool, man. I, I think that uh, j- just watching you guys play the UFC video game in real life against each other would be would yeah, be fascinating yeah. to say the yes, least. Sir. All right, very cool stuff. So, in conclusion, brother, uh, of course, plug all your sponsors in the gym, uh, but more importantly, give us all the info and the dates for the Super Seminar series. Uh, so, well, my personal seminar, I'm doing one. March 31st in LA. Well, so the first time I do is in New York, I guess, as far as the schedule. Uh, so I go to New York, what is it, March 24th, I think it is? 23rd, 24th, 25th. And then I teach on Saturday with Tente Rubin. And then, uh, then the next weekend, I'm in Burbank for Legacy. And I teach there at my own Bain with Time Seminar. That's my seminar, I guess, not part of the Super Seminar series. And then uh, the week after that, I go to Fort Hill, Maryland, so April 7th. So, uh, is that, is that the right date? I'm not even sure. Yeah, April 7th is the correct date, yes. So, uh, there we go. I have uh, March 24th, and then I have uh, March 31st, and then April 7th. And it will be uh, New York, L.A., and then Maryland. Cool. And and it sounds like going forward, people can expect for there to be more of these super seminars uh, getting made in, in the future. Uh, I'm sure they're going to keep it going. Uh, yeah, I'm not Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to say about them. Yeah, they're going to keep them going. But, uh, yes, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the future. I mean, they should. I mean, it's a great thing to have someone come together and bring so many martial art masterminds and teach everything. But, yeah, I have some, some questions, I'll say. I'll say I have some questions. Right, uh, right. Well, just honestly, I mean, honestly, how much can you retain, you know, in, in a session? Right. Uh, they just got to, guys, I'll, I'll say this, bring a notebook. I'm not quite sure if you can record it or not. Uh, I'm going to say you can record mine if you like some certain pieces of it, not the entire thing. Uh, I think they're going to have a web thing, but if you are going to attend this super seminar, it's three days, so you're going to come across a ton of information. What are you really going to retain? Right. Not much unless you write it down or record it, okay? Um, and then, you know, my seminars are two hours, and look how fast I talk. You know, so, <laughs> you know, my own seminars, 
make notes and videos and, and ask questions. And that's why I have the online academy and the silly business. So people have a resource to go back to the same information and again, mapping it all out so you know exactly what it is and what you should be doing to get better and improve and just tracking your goals regardless of what, it, what the subject is. Ah, uh, dang. See, taking off topic again. Jason. DJ Ken, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Do you want to wrap it up with anything? Yeah, no. Again, always a pleasure, Dwayne. I look forward to our next conversation, as always. I hope the super fight uh, gets announced soon. Much love, Ninja. I hope you have a great day over there in Colorado. Yes, sir. Oof. Thank you, sir. Oof. Have a good day. All right, brother. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Later. Hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with Dwayne. Always a pleasure to speak with him. And honestly, you can't say enough about the guy's passion for martial arts. We all sincerely hope that TJ Dillashaw versus Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, that deal gets done. And I also hope that Dwayne gets the chance to, to work with Curtis Blades much more moving forward. A lot of potential with Curtis. Also, for anybody in the NYC area, during this super seminar that's going down, I believe this weekend, if there's still room available, go check it out. I highly doubt there is still room available, but great minds in martial arts, Dwayne being one of them, go learn something. Onward we progress, though. Coming up next on BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice, a man who always puts it all on the line when he competes, the Russian hammer himself, UFC featherweight Artem Lobov. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show UFC featherweight and one tough dude, the Russian hammer himself, Artem Lobov. What's going on, Artem? How is life at Straight Blast Gym today? Hey, man, thanks for having me on the show, and uh, life is good at Straight Blast Gym. It's always work, 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 nothing <laughs> else. All right, right. Very good to hear, man. So it was announced last month that you'd be facing Alex Caceres at UFC 223 in Brooklyn. How happy are you with this matchup and being able to compete in Brooklyn next month? Yeah, uh, definitely a good matchup. I think this is as good of a matchup as I can expect, uh, given the situation I'm in. You know, I, I really like the matchup. Alex, I know, fought at 135 before, so he's not going to be that big, you know, which will probably make the takedowns quite hard for him. Don't think he'll be able to take me down. And, um, you know, I look forward to throwing down with him. You know, he has a very unusual style. Uh, but I think I'll be able to figure him out and, uh, and break him down. As for being excited to fight in New York, I mean, Brooklyn, of course, uh, it's unbelievable. You know, for me, as I represent two nations, you know, Russia and Ireland, New York is probably one of the few places where I can do just that. You know, it's a, it has a big Irish community and it has a very big Russian community as well. So I look forward to putting on a show for my fans. Absolutely. You know, the, the Russian and Irish community is something I wanted to touch on in a little bit, but you mentioned the stylistic matchup there. You know, give us your thoughts on Alex as an opponent. What kind of problems does he present to you in competition? Uh, you know, he, like his striking is quite unusual, so it's always hard to find aspiring partners to to that sort of style, you know, but, but I'm not too worried about that. You know, we have a lot of unorthodox guys in the gym that mightn't do exactly what he does, but still, you know, when it's unorthodox, you just have to get in there and, and figure it out. You know, I might come in a little bit tighter than usual in this fight, just given the situation I'm in, you know, I can't really afford any risks. Uh, so I just need a good solid win here, and then we see what, what's next in the future. Now, you're coming off the decision loss to Andre Feely back in October and Cub Swanson before that. 
Considering the two-fight skid, you must be very, very motivated to get back in the win column against Bruce Leroy. Uh, well, to be honest, I, I never lack motivation, you know, I'm always very motivated, you know, every fight I approach as if that was my last, you know, because, and, and that results in great performances, so in, in that sense, you know, I was ready, I would have been ready to go regardless of whether I was on 10 winning streak or two losses, that doesn't really matter to me, you know, I know that uh, in order to be successful in the sport, you know, you have to win, and that's what I'm after. Now, you had hinted at retirement after the Feely fight and said that uh, you wouldn't have been surprised if the UFC released you after that bout. What was going through your mind at the time, and what changed for you to decide to continue competing? You know, to be honest, I didn't really mean retirement. I, I more so was hinting at maybe change of uh, uh, way I will fight, you know, perhaps boxing or, or K1. Or, you know, I don't really have, uh, I don't lack any offers. You know, I have a lot of offers on the table. Uh, and, and some very good financial offers that, you know, for more money than I'm actually currently getting in the UFC. Uh, I mean, of course, UFC, this is the premier organization, this is where the toughest matchups are, and this is what I'm always after, so of course it's the place where I want to be, but, you know, I was kind of prepared that if I was let go, you know, I had a plan of action in place, and I wasn't going to dwell on it, I wasn't going to you know, be crying or begging or anything like that. I was ready to move on and, and tackle the next problem and see, you know, see what happened next. Interesting. So you would have been open to competing in boxing or maybe uh, you say K1. You mean possibly like Glory or something like that? You have offers from those guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I know I've got the skill and I know there's not a man in the world and in any of the striking eyes that would just run over me. So, so I, I'm comfortable in competing K1 or boxing, and I still am, even though I'm in the UFC now, but perhaps at the end of my contract or whatever, or down the line in the future, you know, I don't want to rule this one out. I certainly will explore all avenues, K1, boxing, all of them. Oh, very cool to hear, man. You know, I, I, I got to say that I think your fighting style lends itself to why the UFC, you know, decided to keep you on the roster. On top of all of your fan base, I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah, absolutely, you know, of course, you know, this is a sport, I mean, a sport to be successful, you know, you have to win, but, you know, it is also an entertainment business, and, uh, you know, I think there's plenty of examples how important it is to not only win, but also be entertaining, I think John Fitch is probably one of the best examples, you know, he, he used to be like one of the best weaponites in the world, and still, you know, people wouldn't really tune in to watch him fight just because it's boring, and that's that's the bottom line. People want to be entertained, you know. It's not easy to sit through three hours of fight, especially if, you know, for the majority part of those three hours, people just, you know, lay on top of each other, cuddling or whatever they're doing in there, you know, and not much of that. You know, people want to see action. They want to see fights. They want to, you know, see real fights. And, and that's what I provide. Uh, you know, this is a Russian Hammer brand at this stage. You know, when you see my name on the card, you know that you're guaranteed action. You know you're guaranteed a good fight. And, and people will love watching my fights. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. But, you know, uh, considering that you've never been finished in the UFC and the Cub fight was a back-and-forth war, I'd imagine you still feel like you have a lot to show of what you're truly capable of in, in, inside of the octagon still. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it, it has been a little bit frustrating for me that I, I wasn't really able to show fully what I can do, you know, because don't make any mistakes. You know, when I, when I prepare for my fights, you know, I, I pick the best sparring partners, you know, the toughest roles, 
the toughest, everything. I take the best guys out there, and, and I go to war with them in the gym on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, I know my prep is really good, but I've been, you know, a little bit uh, frustrated with the fact that I just wasn't able to showcase my skills to the full potential. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that will change, and I'm hoping that my fans will, will get to see what Russian Hammer can really do. Well, like I said, man, based on toughness and your fighting style alone, I, I would agree with you. I think everybody likes to see you compete. So, uh, you know, every time you step into that cage, we all know it's going to be a great show. But, uh, you know, you had said something about uh, your your friend and teammate, Conor McGregor, that he likely had some influence regarding you being put on this card. Have you had any confirmation on that? Uh, well, no, I didn't really have any confirmation. You probably have to ask uh, UFC, you know, whether that had anything to do with it. But I imagine it probably did play a part for sure. I mean, they, they would love to have Connor, you know, in presence there as the interim title is on the line. And, um, you know, they did that with Aldo Fort Mendes. They flew Connor out to Brazil. So they probably want to do the same here. I mean, the anticipation for Connor versus Tony or Habib is already huge. And that was probably put a cherry on top and set set that fight nicely up for for down the line uh, in this year. Absolutely. You know, it would obviously make a lot of sense for Connor to be present in the audience considering the main event, as you just mentioned there. But will he be cornering you at all? Uh, well, he won't be in my corner, no, but, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see if he'll be in the presence. If he is not busy that day, if he doesn't have some business that he needs to handle, you know, I, I know I always have his support, so uh, that's, right. that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, speaking of which, have you had a chance to work with Connor at all for this training camp? Say that again, please. Have you had an opportunity to work with Connor for this training camp at all? Ah, yeah, absolutely. I'm always, you know, in contact with Connor and uh, been uh, working together a little bit. And uh, he's been, you know, sending me some tips, you know, on, on my grappling and my striking as well. Uh, you know, I sent him some of the videos of, of uh, my sparring and my uh, my trainings. And he's give, been giving me some good tips. You know, he always has good advice. You know, he's got a very, very good eye for the game. You know, he, he's got an understanding of this game like no other. So it's always good to have uh, some tips from him. Absolutely. Now you had talked about the uh, the Russian fans, the Irish fans. Give us your thoughts on competing in Brooklyn. I know you said that New York has a big Russian population. I'd imagine you're expecting a lot of support from the crowd on fight night, and you'll be looking to put on a great show for all those Russian fans in attendance. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I really look forward. To it. I know there is a UFC in uh, Dublin later on this year as well, and uh, UFC uh, Russia later on this year. But New York is the one and only place where I can fight in front of uh, both of my uh, nations, both of my fan bases uh, in one place. So I really, really look forward to it. And as I believe, the the arena is owned by a Russian billionaire as well. Yeah, not to mention uh, the headliner. You know, uh, Khabib as well. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of support for him. So uh, I'd imagine the crowd will really be getting behind you for this one. Yeah, there, there's actually a few uh, Russian fighters on the card, I believe. I know Zabid is also on the card. And I, I, I believe that Taisuma was supposed to be on the card, but uh, was unable to sort out his visa in time. But uh, um, hopefully he gets that sorted and gets to fight in, in the States uh, in the near future. Yeah, I spoke with Tysonov last month. It's uh, that guy is running into a lot of problems with that visa thing, man. It, it's 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 a real shame. 
I know, yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, he, he deserves his uh, chance to fight, you know, on U.S. soil because at the end of the day, that's where most shows are. And, and if you want to be a big star in the sport, you have to be able to fight uh, in front of the U.S. fans. Absolutely. Now, listen, changing gears here for, for a moment, being so close to Connor, I've got to ask you a few things regarding his next move. Uh, you've said publicly that, that he will fight the winner of Khabib and Tony. Uh, that being said, does Connor or your team have any preference as to which guy he faces or which matchup would you be most excited for? Uh, well, as for Conor, you know, he, he doesn't care who he fights. I think he has proved and shown that on a number of occasions. You know, when, when Aldo went running, Mendes stepped in, that was a terrible matchup for Conor, given all the facts. He was coming off an ACL injury. You know, he was still injured, and ACL was torn a couple of weeks before, you know, that matchup. And, and uh, he couldn't wrestle at all in the lead-up to that, to that fight. So a wrestler was like the worst possible outcome for him, and he still didn't even blink and, and took him on. When uh, Rafael Dos Anjos went running as well, and Nate stepped in, you know, he had no problem. And at the time as well, there was offers of Aldo was being offered, but he didn't want it. Frankie was offered the fight also, and he didn't want it also. Uh, and Conor didn't really care who was going to step in. So he, he's shown that many times. And the same thing in, in this case, you know, Habib or Tony doesn't really matter to him. Uh, as for the fans, I, I feel that the fans probably would prefer Habib matchup. Uh, they, they feel that that's a better fight. Uh, and to be honest, I would really like to see that fight also, you know, and especially if that fight was to take place in Russia, that would be crazy. That would be, you know, Rocky-style matchup. You know, that would be just incredible. So I, I would love to see that, of course. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, just the magnitude of having Khabib versus Connor in Russia, that would be one of the biggest fights in MMA history, if not the biggest fight in MMA history. Uh, but what do you make of all the talk of everybody saying that Connor is an inactive champion? You know, given the situation in mixed martial arts currently, would you agree that the sport really needs him right now? Oh, the sport really needs him, absolutely. And, and as for being inactive, well, they recently, I've seen some recently post the amount of times that Khabib, Tony, and Connor fought in the last two years. And it is exactly the same. I think it was between three and four times they, they all fought. So, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers, you know, the, the picture is, is very, very different. So, and to be honest, Connor was willing to, you know, uh, you know, half the time there was people that went running, like I said, you know, for example, he was supposed to fight for the lightweight belt, and what happened? You know, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos at the time went running, so, you know, it wasn't his fault. He always shows up, he's always ready to go. Um, so that's that, that's where we are. That's, where I, that's my thinking on that anyway. Right, right. What more can you ask from a guy? Um, one last thing on Connor. Uh, give us your thoughts on this beef between him and 50 Cent. Connor has trolled him in pretty hilarious fashion over the past few weeks. I've gotten a kick out of it, but what's your take on all of that? Uh, what what was the hilarious? Did you just you just congratulate him with the national international uh, women's day. I, I thought that was a nice post. It was you know uh, it, it was uh, nicely of him to congratulate uh, Fifty and, and say congratulations on the international women's day. <laughs> he looked good in this picture. <laughs> awesome man. All right. Artsem, you've been more than generous with your time. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Just a couple more questions here for you. Uh, will the outcome at UFC 223 against Alex, will that determine your future with fighting in the UFC? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm most likely, yeah, for sure. It's, it's a must-win situation for me. And and so it is for Alex, I think. He, he is not in a good spot either. So, uh, 
it's a must win. But to be honest, in terms of my approach, that doesn't change anything for me. That's how I approach my fights anyway. I, I go in there, you know, as if this is the last, you know, the last fight of my career, and I give it everything I've got. You know, I, I remember saying once in a while, the way I approach it is, in my eyes, you know, we're on a night out, and he just, you know, insulted my girlfriend, and I have to get him back. So that, that's how I fight. So you can expect no cutting, no time wasting for me. I'm going to be pressing the action, I'm going to be marching forward, and I'm going to be throwing bombs as I always do. Yeah, and not to mention, like you said, you you have a lot of options outside of this as well, so it's not like you'll be uh, stressed to, to feed yourself and your family. Uh, but if all goes well on fight night, how many times would you like to compete this year? Honestly, you know, I, I used to compete so often. I remember one of the guys in the gym just calculated and he said, on average, I used to fight every 41 days. Wow. So I love fighting. You know, I want to fight as often as I can. You know, if it was up to me, I'd have my uh, uh, Dublin, you know, uh, UFC Dublin uh, uh, contract signed and I'd already have a UFC Russia contract signed and I could easily fit one or two in between. Uh, but, you know, this is not up to me. So I just have to wait and see what happens next. I have to see what offers come my way. Okay. And in conclusion, man, for all the Russian Hammer fans out there and all the fans that are going to be in attendance in Brooklyn, what can they expect on April 7th, and what's your official prediction for the fight? Well, they can expect the usual. They know already what they can expect. You know, the Russian Hammer always brings it. Every single time I bring it. And it will be no different this time. When they see my name on the card, my name alone is worth that ticket price. So they can expect fire. All right, man. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Hopefully we can catch up after a big win. Uh, any shout-outs or plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Uh, I'd like to, you know, thank, obviously, my gym, my teammates, uh, Straight Bus Gym, Ireland, you know, they, they've always been with me, Irish Strength Institute, uh, you know, all the guys that helped me throughout the way. There's so many to name. Of course, my sponsor, Jim King. Uh, shout out to them as well. Thank you. All right, very good. Thank you very much, Arts. I'm looking forward to the fight on April 7th, and uh, you have a wonderful evening over there in Ireland, man. Thanks a million. Thank you. All right, have a good one. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I know people have been critical of Artem for some of the opportunities he's been afforded, and you know people say it's because of Connor. While I think that may play a factor here, just speaking with the guy, seeing him fight, he's a pretty damn cool cat in my book. Clearly, he's got a ton of options regardless of how this fight plays out, and knowing how he fights, he still has a future in combat sports. However, let's keep it moving, guys. On to our next guest, 2-0 in the UFC, coming off a huge knockout win, a guy with a ton of personality and motivation to match, Big Pretty Justin Willis. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up next, Justin Willis. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show UFC heavyweight prospect from the legendary AKA team, Big Pretty Justin Willis. What's going on, Justin? How is your morning going so far over in sunny California, my man? Oh, it's great, man. I want to make a short a short correction on you. It's not the heavyweight division anymore. It's the pretty weight division. <laughs> make sure from, from here on out, we, we change the name. You know, it's the same thing, but, you know, different perspective. You dig? <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So you're going to be putting in some work with all the savages at AKA this afternoon, I'd imagine? Oh, yeah, man. I just got done with a workout. Uh, about an hour ago, so uh, you know, on to my second one, which is uh, you know rolling around a little bit, and then 
My third one is working with all them beasts, them other beasts. <laughs> Very good, man. So listen, you're coming off a tremendous KO at UFC 218 over Alan Crowder. You're 2-0 in the UFC. What's next, my man? Any updates on when when we're going to see you back in action? Um, we're in talks right now. I can't really talk too much about it, but um, just in April. I, I, you know, I, I should if, if the other person signs their life over to me, then uh, we'll have a fight in April. All right, so it sounds like there's been some discussion between the UFC and your management. Obviously, you can't can't name the uh, the fighter in, in particular, but is there a venue you could maybe tell us? Atlantic City, stand up. All right, okay, fair enough, cool, I'll take it. Um, so listen, man, I know before your last fight, you had dared the heavyweights to go on a suicide mission, is what you called it, and call you out. From what I've seen so far, nobody's been willing to do so. Hey, man, actions are lack of actions. Speak values, brother. That's very that's true. All got, that, that's, that's all I got to say. You know, I, I'm the best. I've heard nobody say anything different. So, um, But the thing is, man, I'm willing to put it all on the line. Everything. Everything. I fight with my total being, man. This is not a game to me. I ain't playing shit. So if a motherfucker go on there thinking that they playing with me, prepare to get played. So uh, aside from working from one of the with one of the best teams in MMA, what makes you so confident against the rest of the of the division? What makes Big Pretty so dangerous? Turn on the film, you'll see it. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's true. It speaks for itself. There uh, you go, brother. <laughs> you've obviously got a few more fights to get through before you're you're ranked and with the elites at heavyweight. But it seems to me like you already feel like you belong competing with the best in the world. It, is that accurate? Man, all that shit is nothing but numbers, man. So, uh, like I said, man, I'm willing to put it all on the line. So, um, do I feel like I'm on the elite? I feel as though I am the elite heavyweight or pretty weight. Um, so, and I'm willing to put all that on the line anytime, man. Now, for anybody that's not familiar with you so far, give us your background as a martial artist. How did you get in, into MMA and, and who inspires you in this game? Um... I've been fighting since I've been, like, you know, seven or eight years old, man. Um, I used to, I grew up in the, in the social services or child care system, you know, homeless shelters, group homes, juvenile hall. And um, I got my start when I was about seven or eight years old, actually. Uh, I was in this group home uh, named Frago, Frago Treatment Center, which was in Oakland, California. It was a, it was a home that was mixed between uh, kids who were, you know, forcibly removed from their home and kids who were removed because of behavior issues. Uh, so while I was in there, uh, it was a house of uh, 16 rooms, 32 boys. Uh, and what the counselors used to do was, I was seven, eight years old, and the ages went from, I was the youngest always um, at that time, and uh, the, the oldest would be obviously 18, uh, getting ready to emancipate. Uh, what they used to do is, is they used to pit one versus another. So if you had an issue or just the counselors want to see you two squat, we got it in. So I lived at this place for two years, so this is where I really got my savageness from. Because I had to, I had to, I had to do this to survive from a very young age. This is nurture versus nature to me. So, if, like I said before, this is not a game. Right, right. Well, I think that uh, your story sounds similar to several others in this in this business. You know, some people have to come up fighting uh, throughout life. And to be honest with you, man, I, I've myself as a young kid, I went through a program with, uh, you know, 16 other guys and I totally understand the type of stuff that you're talking about. 
Uh, you know, you, you really got to, you know, not only prove yourself, but just to kind of survive, you got to show how tough you are in a lot of those situations. So it sounds to me like through life perseverance and all your hardships, I mean, this is a lot of stuff that goes into the cage with you as motivation. This is, this, this is life to me. This is not a sport. This is not. I do not see it as a sport. I see this as a means to express myself. Well, so, and ex- this, you know, so a, a lot of people don't understand, you know, you said, you know, this is history, right? So a lot of people don't, I mean, I have to understand that a lot of people who look like me don't get a chance to actually build a legacy. They don't get that chance. And I'm not going to let that shit waste. It's not going to fall by the wayside with me. I'm fighting for too much. My Angelo said, I come as one, but I speak as 10,000. It's not more. I'm ready, man. Well, I got to tell you, man, obviously, like I said, your performances speak for themselves so far. And, uh, you know, just hearing a little bit about your background, man, I have I have no doubt that uh, you have all the motivation in the world to be to be the best in the world. Uh, but that being said, if anybody, who impresses you the most in the division? Who impresses me? I mean, a, I mean, I, I don't watch that much. Uh, the only people I really watch is my teammates. Right. Um, so my teammates impress me. Uh, that's the only people that my universe, I keep it very, very, you know, like right now, especially when it comes to MMA, very poignant, very directed, very focused. Um, so the only people that I pay attention to when it comes to my, my, to my class is literally the people around me because the people around me are the best. Absolutely. I mean, it, that kind of segues into my next question perfectly here. You know, as we've already discussed, AKA is full of killers. It's been one of the best gyms in the world for a long, long time. Uh, but that being said, there's also been a lot of criticism over injuries on the team. However, you know, I kind of feel like it's just an instance of if you want to be the best, you have to go hard in the gym. And sometimes people get hurt, you know, when you're training that hard. Would you agree with that statement? And, and talk to us a little bit about, you know, how hard you guys all go in the gym to ensure that everyone elevates together. Hey, uh, first off, I, I came up during the heyday of AKA. I came up during Kane and DC's prime. I was a young kid that didn't know shit. All I was was tough. All I was was an empty piece of clay. So, you know, I was built from that. So, you know, so uh, it, it's a wonderful thing, man. Uh, but when it comes to these injury things, man, the accolades, they speak for themselves. Absolutely. So a, a lot of people... They can sit back and they can say whatever they want to say. It ain't shit but words. Do they have belts on their wall? Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, 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 like everything is, is a simple perspective. No, you're a abs- lot of people, we're, we're, stuck in, we're stuck in this one lane of perspective. And that lane, once you get in the crash, people just, they keep going in the lane. They keep getting in the crash and the crashes. Once you switch the fucking lane... And actually open up your mind. You're absolutely correct, man. I think that, uh, first of all, a lot of the criticism towards AKA over all this injury stuff is a little unwarranted. Because like we're talking about, I mean, if you're going to, like you said, the heyday alone, just Kane and DC going hard in the gym every day, and look at their accomplishments. You want to be the best, you have to make those kind of sacrifices in the gym to get to where you want to be, so... I agree with you 100% there, but, you know, being in the gym every day, I got to ask, man, how is Khabib looking right now? What's your prediction for his fight with Tony next month? Hey, when you ask my teammates, we win 100% of the time in my mind. 
right? So, especially beforehand, right? So, uh, Khabib is going to smash. Uh, Tony Ferguson's in trouble. Um, Khabib's coming to fight. That I can guarantee. Um, I'm sure Tony is too. But I feel as though this is just too much for him to bear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... I think that that's going to be the reality. A very, very intriguing matchup. One of the one of the biggest fights of the year for sure. And uh, as we've seen with Khabib's talent, it's going to be a question is of can anybody stop that? But uh, it's going to be a very, very tough t- tough task for Tony uh, on fight night for sure. Yes, sir. And uh, real quick, man, how's Kane doing? Is he training on a regular basis? Everybody's so eager for his return, man. Hey, all I'll say, I'll keep it simple because I can't speak for another man. Right. What I will say is he will be back, and he will be back stronger and better than ever. All right. Well, we're all we're all certainly looking forward to it. Uh, but speaking of Kane, the announcement of, of uh, Stipe in D.C., that kind of came as a surprise considering that everybody also wants to see Kane fight Stipe. Give us your thoughts on that super fight. How do you expect D.C. to do in there against Miocic? Um, D.C. is going to whoop his ass. I feel as though um, DK is a, a great champion. At this, you know, uh, he, he has broken the record, so you cannot deny what he has done in the sport. Uh, but you know, he's just born as a wallflower. You know what I mean? So it's just it's one of those things where I feel as though DC is going to come in there and he's going to put pressure on him and break him down. You know that I don't know if that the vanilla fighting style is going to be enough. Right, well, and, you know, considering all of DC's uh, successes at heavyweight, that certainly lends itself to this fight. But, uh, you know, talking about training with all of these guys and and, uh, how you already feel you're ready for the elite, man, I mean, it it sounds to me like this is just a matter of time of you getting the right fights and then you'll be in the top of the division. You'll be in the talks for the title hunt, right? I mean, mean, next time we talk, I'll probably be the champion. (laughs) I hear you my brother and I love you I love you but you know it sounds a whole bunch of hope 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 I don't hope for shit right. hope is from a beggar Right. I don't beg for nothing so you know all the thing I do is I put in the work and I go out there and I reap, I reap my rewards man I got so much fucking money in the bank and I'm not talking about mineral wealth now it's time to start spending it this is a lifelong wealth. Yeah. You make a great point there, man, you know, talking about how wealth is not always monetary. You know, wealth wealth comes in all forms and shapes and sizes in life and you gotta embrace you gotta embrace all of it. So uh I, I commend you on what, what the what the world what the world should realize is they have actual martial artists in their hands. Right? And the world I speak my own language. And the world will come to speak my language as well. No, I have no doubt, man. So what you did, I got to talk to you about this though. What you did post fight promoting your teammate, that was pretty cool, man. Not a lot of guys would give up the time on the microphone to do something like that. I, I think that speaks volumes to the kind of person and teammate that you are. Uh, you know, I'll let my teammates say that. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? I, I'm just, I, I, I just speak with my heart. And my heart at that time was telling me that this man is not getting enough press time. This man is getting looked over. That man is Dwight Grant. That man is a great fighter. That man is a great person, and that man is a great a great friend. So he deserves this opportunity. If you go look him up, his name is Dwight Grant. Go look him up uh, out of American Boxing Academy. Look up his fight. The guy's a killer. And he needs this opportunity to go shine. I have another guy, since we're saying names, I have another, another friend named Ernesto Ancona. 
He's three and zero. Um, he just got through. Um, he just got a citizenship, so you know, got to be honest now. And uh, he's ready to fight. You got these guys with tremendous talent that have been around AKA for years, and nobody knows about them. Yeah, you know. You know, we, 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 I talk about that on uh, on this show quite a bit, and you hear it all the time. There's so many phenomenal talents inside of the gym that just haven't been given their opportunity, and a guy doesn't arrive until he actually arrives. So, uh, you know, this, this sounds like another case in point with, with both of those guys. So, you know, wh- while we're talking about time on the microphone, you know, I get a sense that you've got a pretty good grasp on, on how you're going to promote yourself and your career uh, talk to us about your approach to marketing your brand, and do you feel like you'll need to join in on the, on this trash talking era that we're currently in? <laughs> trash talking, man. Um, I just speak my heart, man. That's it. So um, everything that I say, I mean it. I thought about it. I processed it. And so I, I I have no empty talk. You can ask people who know me. I have never changed. I have only improved. I have only become more wise. That's it. But I have never changed. So when I say something, I mean it with all my heart. So trash talk, I leave that shit to the birds. <laughs> I leave that to the culture vultures. Right. I leave that to the wannabes. Right, you know, it's funny. I was I was just talking to Raquel Pennington about this yesterday, you know, how this sport has all these amazing characters in it and uh, that's one of the things that makes this sport so intriguing. And, you know, just talking with you for the first time, man, I kind of feel like you are one of those really uh, original characters that, that I think that this sport will embrace a lot of once you once you start to get more airtime and more exposure. I'm sure you'd agree with that as well. If that's what God has made, then that's what God has made. All right, man. Well, listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I just got a couple more questions here for you. Um, yeah, go ahead, man. I'm, I got, I got like 20 minutes. I'm good to go, brother. All right. So I know you can't tell us about the opponent, but it's looking like Atlantic City. Uh, realistically, man, how soon do you think we're going to have this fight announced? Uh, you know, I'm waiting for um, first-round management to contact me um, to, to, to pretty much tell me whether it's on or off. Um, the, 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 I've been very open with, you know, if you go back and look at all my interviews, I've been very open. So if, if a guy wants to fight me, who am I to tell him no? Right. No, you... I put in the work. Obviously, he has built up his courage. And obviously, he has put in the work. And why not? Why deny that man his opportunity? And the same goes for you too, right? I mean, the guys exactly. in the... So, exactly. Right. These guys that are holding up these top 15 spots. Right? They're holding them up. They're placeholders. Right, right. And that, that's one thing that's always bothered me because it's like, you know, a guy gave you your opportunity to get into the top 15 and then you're not going to allow somebody else that same opportunity. That's not when fair you, at all. Champion, when you're champion and you're top five, business is business. I understand that. Right. I do. But I'm the guy coming. Why not challenge yourself? Absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. I agree with you 100%, man. So, th- that being said, though, how many times do you think you'd like to compete in 2018? Um, I think the, the older I get and the higher I get, you know, of course, uh, and, and, you know, fights, you know, is business now, especially in the USC. And now it's, just, it's, it's business. So, eventually, you know, I was saying 
three or four times a year. You know, and th this year coming up, my hope is three times. You know, and like I said, that's a better, right? So right, it's, it's, it's three times. That's what I'm really hoping for, and I'm going to ask for it. I think that it's probably going to be around two. Okay. To be honest. And the next year, you know, two, three. You know, that the goal is three, you know, four if I can, once every quarter. That That's my original plan. But I understand, like, now I grow. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to say when I'm wrong or when I, when I grow. So I understand now this is just business, man. I understand it. Right, right. So I, I know you said that the next time we speak, you'll be champion by then, but... But realistically, man, I mean, how many fights do you think you need to break into that top 15? And, and you know, do you think we could see you as maybe a title contender or champion early early 2019 or mid-2019? Does that sound realistic to you? I would say mid-2019. I think that um, um, three fights, uh, either I'll be fighting for the championship, my third fight, or that third fight will be the number one contender to the championship. Okay. Right? So that that's 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 my vision. Right, and a, and uh, not only a realistic vision, but uh, definitely definitely possible. Yeah, I gotta say, man, you know, just talking with you for the first time, uh, I think I think you've got a great story. You got a ton of potential. Obviously, the skills speak for themselves, but I think uh, all the exposure that you can get, man, I think that the sport is really gonna get behind you. So I think the future is bright for you, my friend. I want to, I want to, like, so I want to, like, go on words, right? Just, just to, just to, just to talk, right? The word potential, right? The word potential. Potential is one of those things that's unnoticed, right? It's one of those things that the individual who has it usually doesn't notice what they have. Right. I know what the fuck I have. Right. And that, and that makes, and that makes all of your opportunities that much more special when you realize uh, what you can accomplish in this sport. So, yes, sir. Man, I sir, I, like I said, man, I think the future is very bright for you, man. Uh, in I, I appreciate it, sir. In conclusion, tell all the fans out there what they can expect when you finally step back into the cage and why everybody needs to keep their eyes on you going forward and recognize that you are the future of this division. <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna end with too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> too pretty baby. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> All right, listen. Honestly, pleasure to speak with you, Justin. Hopefully, hopefully, we can catch up again once the fight finally gets announced. Uh, any shout outs or plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Hey, uh, shout out to all my teammates at AKA. Shout out to. All my friends, I got Rashad, Hassan, I got uh, Coach Uribe over at San Jose State. Um, and I want to say, uh, everybody go look up Dwight Grant. Everybody go look up Ernesto Ancona. And go follow me at Big Pretty MMA. All right, awesome, man. Again, looking forward to our next conversation. You have a wonderful afternoon training with all those savages. And uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon, my man. Hey, take care, brother, and have a blessed day. You too, buddy. What a story Justin has, honestly. And what a great mindset for fighting that that story has afforded him in life. Keep your eye on Justin. Don't blink when he fights Chase Sherman in Atlantic City. Two big men throwing down. Gonna be a great one. Let's keep the train rolling, so to speak. Since our next guest has done quite a bit of rolling in his day, 
arguably the best BJJ practitioner alive today, making his MMA debut this weekend with one championship, Gary Tonin. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. This is the Fighter's Voice, BJPenn.com Radio. Coming up next, the Lion Killer, Gary Tonin. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show one of the greatest submission artists alive today from the Dinaher Death Squad, a man who will be making his highly anticipated MMA debut March 24th with one championship, the Lion Killer himself, Gary Tonin. Gary, what's going on, man? How is life at the Academy today? I, I, man, that was just a serious introduction right there. There's a <laughs> lot of things listed off. Hey, well, you're very <laughs> deserving of that, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, everything's going good, man. Just finished up teaching classes at my school, uh, Brunswick Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, uh, you know, they're uh, wrapping up and doing some training for the night. So that's pretty much it. You know, I got to leave uh, for Thailand um, two days from now on Friday night. So, uh, you know, just kind of kind of tying together some loose ends, booking everybody's travel and uh, you know, getting ready for the trip and everything like that. So. Yeah, so you're going to give yourself about a week's time to, to acclimate to the time change and, and all yeah, of those things, yeah? Close to that. Uh, it, I, was, I was trying to do that, but it's tough because, like, when you travel uh, to Thailand, it's, it, it takes, like, a minimum of 20 hours uh, with connections. It's hard. To, you can't get a direct flight from the East Coast, I don't think. Uh, and then the time difference is, like, 11 hours. So... Like, we leave on Friday. We don't get there till like, Sunday morning. So we actually lose a day. It'll be a little less than a week leading up to it. But, yeah, we're trying. I tried to give myself a little time to acclimate. Honestly, most of the time, I just like to kind of tr- do most of my training camp at my gym and then kind of have a short period of time. But, you know, it's a different uh, climate out there and kind of, you know, pretty big difference in time. So I definitely wanted to get there a little earlier this time. Absolutely. A lot of things to, to adjust to. Very wise of you yeah, to, to try to get out there early. So there's a ton of stuff I wanted to cover with you tonight, man. But first, let's start with the training. How is preparation going for your MMA debut? Man, preparation's going really good. You know, it's a definitely very rocky start because, I mean, really, I very limited uh, MMA training before this. Uh, I did some sparring and stuff back when my professor, Tom, used to fight um, when he first started getting into it just to kind of see what it was like. But I didn't know anything. I wasn't really, like, improving skills. I wasn't learning anything. Um, I was just kind of running forward with my head down, throwing punches and trying to take people down. So, uh, not that it, I'm that far improved from that era. No, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what things were like back then. I, we didn't really, I was just kind of doing it for fun. Um, and so that only lasted for like six months to a year. Um, and then uh, I did a little bit of boxing here and there uh, with uh, a guy from our gym, Shaheen. Uh, he grew up in Newark, so that's really all that needs to happen for you to be a boxing coach. Right. So uh, <laughs> I was working with him, and uh, you know uh, he was showing me some things here and there. But it was all you know I was I was a pretty serious full time grappler. I was competing like once a month, twice a month sometimes. So I really had to dedicate most of my time to that, even though I knew that kind of moving forward I was going to be getting involved in mixed martial arts. So um, basically, you know, the Basically, like, uh, I'm going to put you on speaker just for a second. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah. So let me know if the sound gets too interrupted. Can you hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sound fine. Okay. Um, so 
basically, uh, well, where was I ending off? Sorry about that. I got so distracted. I have ADHD. No problem. Uh, you, you were d- discussing, you know, the, how, uh, this has kind of been in the works for a little while. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, sorry. So I had a little bit of boxing training with shy, but not, not really uh, too much. It was like a once a week, twice a week sort of thing, uh, for a little while. And even that was only like maybe a year, six months before I really made a switch to MMA. And then I would say the bulk of my actual mixed martial arts training has been done in the last like three months, you know, kind of like when I announced that I was going to start doing it and all that stuff. Um, that's a couple months after that was kind of when I, uh, when I decided to start getting on track with everything. Um, so, uh, basically I've been doing majority shoot box training, which is just kind of like, uh, you know, punches mixed with takedowns. Uh, that's kind of been the biggest changeover from what I was doing before, which is just like the regular grappling. Uh, so we tended to focus on that. We didn't like isolate too much, just uh, kickboxing or just boxing. Hello? Are you still there? Or is oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, somebody else is calling me right now. Sorry about that. No um, so, um, yeah, we didn't isolate skills too much. We figured we'd just kind of build off of what we had. So we had a little bit of a grappling base. So we figured we'd, you know, kind of just add that on to some of the striking skills. And it's been working really well. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting how when you start to apply the threat of taking somebody down uh, to the striking skills, that the striking skills become a little bit easier than they would be like, you know, if you put me in a ring with a, with a regular boxer and all I can do is box with the guy, I'm probably going to have a lot of trouble. Um, but if I can add in takedowns and fake takedowns and then go for punches and kicks and things like that, it makes life a little bit easier for me because they're expecting one thing and then they get another. Uh, so that's pretty much what we've been working on. It's kind of synthesizing those things. Right. So it sounds like a, a bit of a crash course for you at this point. Exactly. Basically, I've, leading up to this camp, I've been sparring every single day of the week, which wouldn't normally be advised. We started out a little bit lighter. We did some tag sparring and stuff to get me acclimated to the distancing and everything without getting hit too much. Uh, but I'd say after about four weeks or so of tag sparring, I was pretty much just doing hard sparring almost every day of the week. So uh, that's been for like the last eight weeks now of the camp. Okay, so you, you say three months of training, but... You know, when you when you made the announcement that you'd be leaving BJJ competition to pursue MMA and you more or less handed over your crown to Gordon Ryan, uh, it sounds like the decision had been in the works for much longer than three months. Can you give us a time yes. frame on how long you knew that you were going to make this transition to mixed okay. martial arts? Yeah, so I knew I was going to transfer over to mixed martial arts for a long time. I mean, I knew that eventually that was going to be a goal of mine. Um, I just hadn't. I, basically I needed, uh, John to be ready to kind of like, uh, spearhead everything. Uh, John was undergoing some surgeries and things like that. Uh, also I kind of wanted to make one last run at ADCC. So I, I kind of, uh, you know, I made that last run at ADCC full throttle and just focused on jujitsu. I really, I wasn't doing like any boxing training or anything during that time because it was such an intensive camp. Um, so, but I, I really have been interested in doing, pursuing mixed martial arts probably ever since like my own instructor, original instructor, Tom, the blast started doing it. Um, and I just kind of realized that it was going to be something that I was going to have to teach moving forward as a teacher in jujitsu, because if people were going to come to me and say, Hey, you know, like, how do I apply this stuff to fighting? You know, I'm going to have guys that want to fight and things. And, uh, I felt like I'd be doing myself and those future students a disservice by not like actively getting engaged in, you know, mixed martial arts. So I decided to kind of do it back then, but like in terms of when to actually start the focus of training, that took a little bit longer because a lot of kind of, a lot of things needed to fall into place. 
you know, before that sort of happened. But ultimately, I would say like things started to zero in more after ADCC, but it still wasn't quite a bit of, uh, of a while after that that I just a hundred percent focus on MMA. I probably didn't a hundred percent focus on MMA until like. Um, I, after my last grappling tournament, a little bit before my last grappling tournament, I should say. Okay. So how much of this decision was about testing yourself and how much of it was, was, you know, being, uh, based on making more money as a combat, that combat athlete, aside from what you're talking about, as far as instructing goes, you need to have that experience under your belt. I mean, is this, is this more about testing yourself or yeah, having you know, bigger it's paydays? Of, it's kind of funny that you, you said, you mentioned like making more money as a combat athlete and things. Uh, and all, obviously like money's awesome. You know, anybody who like tries to pretend like money's not part of the equation right, <laughs> just right. out of their minds. But, uh, I would say it's not a huge thing for me. And the only reason I say that is not because I'm not interested in making money, but that I could have easily made money elsewhere. I was doing just fine continuing professional grappling. It's not like my career was like, you know, grinding to a halt or anything. I was doing still very well, uh, and uh, I was competing all the time and making plenty of money that way, as well as teaching seminars and, you know, making money at my school and things. I could have just as easily just continued the rest of my life doing that and made plenty of money to, you know, to make a living. Now, of course, you know, mixed martial arts, the upper tier, if you make it all the way to the top, there's much more money than maybe I would have made doing that. Right. But I could have led a more than comfortable life doing what I was doing beforehand. So I don't think money was ever really a huge you know, uh, pushing drive for me. Um, you know, I think most of it was the challenging myself. And again, like I said, kind of, I know that the end of my athletic career is going to to come one day and I just want to try to make the most out of it. You know, I, I, uh, had the opportunity to compete at the highest level in jujitsu and focus on that. And, you know, now I'm 26 years old. I still have, uh, you know, plenty of years of my, uh, my prime athleticism left. And, uh, I have just enough in my opinion to, to make it to the, uh, to the top in MMA if all goes well. You know, if I, if I train hard and, you know, the cards fall in the right places, uh, you know, I think I could be, you know, talking to you, you know, five, six years from now, you know, somewhere uh, in the in the upper echelon of uh, the guys in mixed martial arts, you know. Absolutely. And, and going along with your youth as well, a lot of guys that get into this, say, earlier, uh, maybe early 20s, you haven't taken all of that damage that they would accumulate in that period of time as well. So at 26, with your grappling background, a wealth of knowledge in that realm, now you transition over to an, into mixed martial arts and, uh, you know, you're fresh in a sense and you haven't taken any damage throughout this in this game. So very cool yeah, stuff I, there as well. I think about that a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy with the way that things kind of started because, you know, remember when I was telling you, like, back when I was like 17, 18 and Tom started fighting and stuff, I did a little bit of sparring back then. Man, had I kept sparring like that, right? <laughs> you'd probably barely be able to talk to me <laughs> today, you know? So, so like, you know, I was only doing that like, uh, like twice a week or something, like I said, for six months or a year. And, uh, but like, I, if I had made a career out of doing it that way, man, it would have been really rough. So I'm glad that, like, kind of things went the way that they did. And now I'm doing things a lot smarter. Even though I say that I'm doing hard sparring, you know, pretty much seven days a week now. Uh, I'm doing like four or five rounds, uh, and it's with guys that are under control, like that I'm comfortable with. I, I'm very specific about the guys that I'll train with. Like, I don't just walk into an open gym with uh, everybody that shows up and train with whoever, like I would in jujitsu. Uh, at this point, I have to be very cognizant of, uh, you know, the damage that I take, any injuries that I'm going to get, cuts, things like that, just because all that kind of stuff can delay you know, fighting. And, and like you said, you know, although I may have a lot of time theoretically from 26, 
you know, for athleticism and everything. It's like every one of those, you know, little stupid injuries that you get for no reason or brain trauma or whatever the case may be is either taking time off of your potential career or, you know, it's just taking up time leading up to fights. You know, you get cut or something like that. And now, you know, you got to postpone your fight for another eight weeks or whatever the case may be. Right. So I think we're doing things a lot smarter than I would have had I started this, you know, four or five years ago. Absolutely. And and, and you're talking about uh, training with guys that you're very comfortable with. I mean, with with your kind of uh, uh, record in, in grappling and, and your stardom from grappling, if you walked into any old gym, there'd be a lot of guys that wanted to prove themselves against you. And uh, that might not go so well. So uh, <laughs> very, very smart of you to have sparring partners that you're very comfortable with that, uh, you know, aren't going to go as hard as they can against you every round of every sparring session. So, uh, yeah. but it's, it's one thing in grappling, man, you know, like I, I, I try to be careful there too. Cause even, even in that man, people can just do stupid stuff that could injure you. And right. You know, uh, but at the same time, like at least in grappling, you know, I've had, you know, over a decade of experience. So like somebody decides to turn it up, like I can just turn it up too and make sure that I don't get hurt just by beating the piss out of them, right? But the problem the problem with striking is like I don't necessarily have the skills to do that against like somebody who's elite level right now, you know, or a lot bigger than me or whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, somebody decides to turn it up in sparring and now we've got a real problem. You know what I mean? The only Absolutely. solution I have is to like bring them to the ground and submit them and if that doesn't work out, you know, we're getting punched in the head pretty hard. So, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, Absolutely. A, it's a little tougher. You got to be a little bit more choosy, I think, about your training partners and your training environment. For sure, for sure. Uh, so it's well document documented that you're one of the biggest stars coming out of the Henzo Gracie Academy. Uh, but when making the transition to the MMA, I'm wondering what did you decide for a camp? Obviously, you're going to work with John Danaher, but who else are you working with in preparation for this debut? So uh, John has spearheaded most of the most of the practices, like you just said, um, and uh, pretty much decided we were going to focus mainly on shoot box for this camp. Uh, we've done a little bit of gravel box here and there, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, I've had a few different guys roll in. Um, the main people I've been working with, uh, Jake Shields has stepped in, you know, a couple times a week uh, when he wasn't. Uh, he, he did a couple grappling matches too. But uh, when he wasn't doing those, he stepped in, and he was a good sparring partner for me. And he's obviously offers a wealth of experience. He's had one of the most winning records in MMA history. So um, he's beaten a lot of really tough guys, uh, and uh, he's he's been a, a big help. You know, uh, and just like the type of training that you get from Jake is, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's controlled. You know, he's not like, you know, it's not like brain damage that I'm getting, but it's, it's brutal, man. The way he controls people against the fence and things. So he's been a, a guy that's been a really good sparring partner. I've had a guy, the most consistent guy has been this guy, uh, Ryan Rizzo. Uh, he's just kind of starting to get involved in mixed martial arts. He's one of my sparring partners. That's a little bit more close to my level. So we can kind of try new moves and stuff on each other and, you know, get away with things that like, maybe I can't get away with on the experienced guys. And we it's been good for both of us, I think. And, uh, he's, uh, he's getting a lot better. You know, we go back and forth every sparring session. Um, but in terms of like coaching staff or anything like that for overall, it's pretty much just been, uh, John, like I said, I have a boxing coach, um, you know, shy. That's you know, kind of gives me some combo work and some pad and mitt work every once in a while. And then uh, I have a Muay Thai coach, uh, Brent Bartley. Um, that kind of same sort of thing for kicking. You know, gives me some pad work and some in, you know instructions on some uh, basically like the mechanics of kicking and things like that. Um, so I, I do kind of a, a little bit of isolated work with those guys as well. Um, but over overall, that's pretty much it. Who will be in my corner uh, so far is 
it's definitely John and uh, my uh, previous instructor, Tom the Blast, will also be there as well. Okay. Um, I found it really good to have him there just, you know, uh, for many reasons. Uh, but I've seen him corner many, many people. And he kind of brings this uh, this element of like, if you if you quit, I'm going to fucking kill you. That, uh, <laughs> that I really kind of wanted to bring to this fight. So um, he'll be there. I'm not 100% sure, sure who the third guy I'm going to have in my corner is. It, it might be this guy, Azam, that I've been working with. Um, it, with my striking and stuff like that. Uh, he's He's been... Uh, been really good for that so i may have him in there as a striking coach for my third corner I, i'm not 100 percent sure um but that's pretty much kind of been the general uh look at things gary st ledger really good tough judo guy's been sparring with me a little bit here and there too i'm trying to think i probably missed some people but that's oh, of the course best of course well of you know m- mentioning jake shields i mean what a better guy to have come in and work with you for your mma debut uh submission guy great grappling kind of relies heavily on that he can show you a lot of tricks of the trade to to impose your will and your uh your strengths in the game so very wise decision to have jake come in and work with you um very cool stuff man but you're going to be co-headlining one iron will in bangkok thailand as you as you talked about later this month face, facing richard Corminal, I believe is how you pronounce his name. What can you oh, tell I us don't about? Know. I've been saying Corminal. I don't I have no idea. Corminal, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> Same thing, right? What can you tell us about your opponent, if anything? Yeah, all right. So I'll do my best without like exposing too much about like what our game plan is, this, right. that, and the other thing. But um, so I, I haven't done like intensive research of like him as a human being. I usually try not to do that. Uh, I haven't really particularly heard of him, but uh, I looked up, you know, some of his fights and everything. Uh, he's four and three, I believe. Um, I believe they, they listed that all of his wins were by knockout. Uh, I think some of them may have been by TKO based on what I saw, but I could be wrong. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a judge, but, um, he, uh, he definitely has some genuine power. Uh, I see him throw a lot of really hard overhand rights, um, decent left hook. Uh, it doesn't really see, seem as though he's classically trained in one specific discipline. Like, it doesn't look like I'm going up against a guy who's been training Muay Thai for the last 10 years or boxing for the last 10 years or something like that. It just kind of seems like he has an amalgamation of uh, a bunch of different skills. He does a little bit of grappling. He does a little bit of, you know, grapple boxing, a little bit of uh, some takedowns, some wrestling and stuff, and uh, a little bit of boxing, a little bit of kickboxing. So I can't really say, you know, one way or another that, like, he's – you know, uh, atypically like one style of person, uh, based off of what I've seen. Um, but I definitely think there's a lot of opportunities, uh, to, uh, to defeat him. Uh, I obviously could use my strengths, which is my grappling. And that's what I think. I think that's what a lot of people would expect to see. Um, for me, from a, from a perspective of improvement, I would love to get in there and just and stand up with him and see and be able to test my stand up in the cage. Not obviously knowing that, you know, I'm going in there relatively inexperienced, but at the same time, I don't necessarily want the first time I need to use my stand up in the cage to be the time that I use it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I kind of want to get an opportunity to practice some of the things that I'm learning in a real fight environment before I just sprint across the cage, double leg somebody and heal them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. So, in my in my head right now, that's like what I would love to do. Um, but you know the the famous saying, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Who knows how much that's gonna get? That's gonna change <laughs> when I actually get in there and he lands a hard shot. You know, I may just go, yeah, you know what? Let's take this guy down. Let's finish him, and uh, you know that'll be that. So uh, I, I, you know, without sharing my game plan again, you know, those are kind of my feelings towards my opponent, what I've seen. 
um, and, uh, you know, kind of uh, what I'm hoping to potentially do in the fight. Right. Well, I got to say, man, it sounds uh, very similar what you're talking about here to like Kevin Randleman, Mirko Krokop, right? A guy's going to be so worried about the takedown that that could potentially set up some awesome stuff in the striking department for you. If a guy is so weary of the takedown, then you'll be able to, you know, showcase some of that uh, striking skill that you've been working on. Um, so I definitely look forward to seeing how all of that plays out. But I'm wondering what has been the most difficult part of this transition for you? Hmm. Well, I'd say it's it's kind of twofold. I've mentioned this a couple times. It's so I've reached an elite level in another sport. So when I look at my performance in mixed martial arts, when it comes to like sparring and things, I'm much more critical because I kind of know what high level skill looks like. You know, whereas somebody just starting out might not realize. You know that, but like I can tell the difference between whether or not like I'm performing a skill properly, or um, you know if if it's high level or not. And whenever I notice that I'm not doing things like up to par to elite level, which is most of the time, because I'm obviously brand new at it, it's hard for me to accept that I'm not able to necessarily assimilate those skills at an elite level right away and that you know at, at the start it's going to be a little rocky and things are going to be not so smooth and so it's i think the hardest part is just kind of accepting less than perfect <laughs> right. you know, for the time being because uh, i tend to be a perfectionist especially when it comes to grappling um but uh yeah that's kind of been the hardest part i mean obviously the training sucks too you know getting punched in the face or crushed by jake shields or <laughs> right. whatever the case may be you know, on, on any particular given day depending on who i'm sparring with but um yeah there's been a lot of challenges a lot of challenges but i would say overall that's kind of like what sucks the most when you get good at something else and then you go to try to do a, a new skill even if it's somewhat similar it's frustrating when you're not able to uh, adapt to the skill as quickly as you'd like to yeah for sure honest answer man uh, now, moving on here, uh, John Danaher had discussed on Joe Rogan's podcast about you signing with one championship. You know, he talked about being able to build your brand internationally and this being a wise move because of, uh, you know, you, you would have to go the amateur route. That really wasn't an option for you at this point. Tell me about the decision to sign with one and how many fights are you contracted to? Yeah, uh, so I'm not allowed to specifically talk about the contract like that. Okay. Um, in terms of like how many bouts I'm contracted to, etc. Okay. Um, I mean, you, I'll, I'll put it to you this way: you're going to see me longer than one fight. <laughs> okay. But uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm just not at liberty to talk about the rest of it. But I will talk about like you know my experience with them and you know how I ended up signing with them. So they initially put some feelers out to uh, to uh, try to talk to me and get me down there to uh, potentially start talks to getting a grappling match sorted out with Shinya Aoki. Right. And when they did that, um, you know, I was, I was open to it. They threw a seminar for me and stuff. And, uh, the guy, uh, Chatri, um, who works, uh, I, I think he works, he's, he created the organization, I think. And, uh, he also, uh, runs evolve MMA. Um, he's, seems to me like he's the kind of guy that's all about kind of personal relationships. So he like wanted to get dinner and talk about, you know, potentially, you know, doing this grappling match. And then of course we also chatted a little bit about, you know, my interests in doing MMA in the future since he had the whole one championship thing going on. And, uh, I think the relationships just kind of started from there. You know, I, he seemed like a really, uh, you know, uh, trustworthy guy. And, uh, he had, he had needs and wants that for his organization, of course, but it also seemed as though like he cares about, uh, you know, my future as well. And, uh, it just, it just felt really comfortable, man. Like there's no, 
I know a lot of other guys that work for a lot of different promotions, whether it's like semi-pro stuff. Like, like when I say semi-pro, I just refer to like stuff that's not Bellator or like you know UFC. Right. And uh, there's a lot of guys that do those shows, or they do Bellator, they do UFC, and, and nobody ever seems particularly pleased with you know their management or their their contracts or anything like that. I'd never really heard any great things from anybody like, oh yeah, I love working with so and so. So uh, I didn't have a close working relationship with anybody from UFC, Bellator, or any of these other circuit uh, organizations necessarily. I could have used my connections to get in there, um, but it, they just made me feel really comfortable, man. And, uh, you know, it felt like they were looking out for me. I felt like they were looking out for all the rest of their fighters. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking – like we like kind of said, I'm kind of looking to make this a long-term – you know, thing where I'm not just kind of trying to take uh, a couple fights and then get out of there. So I'd like to to make a real career for myself and, and try to do the best that I possibly can. And I think this is going to be the best lead in uh, to my career possible. I think I'm going to get more fights more frequently with them than I would in any of these other circuit organizations, because I think I'd have a lot of guys pulling out at the last minute. And I see that happening to a lot of guys that are tough grapplers that start getting into mixed martial arts or any other if they're in any other discipline, a tough Muay Thai guy, tough boxer, you know, guys don't want to fight some guy who's had 10 years of experience in some other area as a professional, you know? So, right, right, right. Well, you see, that way. yeah, you and see, it, you uh, see a lot of guys that are good at everything, but not particularly great at anything. So you having that background coming into this, I totally agree with you. A lot of people would be, uh, maybe pulling out of flights last minute on you and you sure as hell don't want that. So, yeah. I remember years ago talking to Ryan Hall before he had gotten into the UFC and stuff and him saying like how difficult it was for him to actually have a fight happen. Not like they'd sign fights and stuff like that. But then, you know, six months down the line, he wouldn't have had a fight, you know, because people were pulling out left and right or missing weight or whatever the case may be. So yeah, difficult. They're a little bit more professional. That's another thing is they don't have weight cutting in this organization. So you don't really have to worry about that as much. Uh, You know, I think it's a little tougher for guys to, to miss weight. Um, because there's no like dehydration or anything like that. Everybody fights pretty close to their walk around weight. Yeah. They're doing some very revolutionary stuff with that, but you know, you're talking about your comfortability with the promotion. Uh, but from a a promoter's point of view, they, they, I think they'll either wisely decide to build you up slowly or push you into bigger and bigger fights too quickly. This is kind of the way you see things go, uh, with all the other promotion. What's your take on the pace in which you hope to climb the ranks of mixed martial arts? Hmm. It's a good question. It really depends on what I start to see in my uh, in my sparring progression as I continue my training. Uh, you know, if I uh, if I'm able to adapt quickly and I'm able to build skills that are that are necessary to be tougher opponents, uh, you know, I don't have any problem. You know, moving into tougher opponents quickly. Okay. You know, uh, one of the things about mixed martial arts that's a little tough is you, your record makes a little bit more of a difference than it does in jiu-jitsu. You could lose, you know, three, four, five jiu-jitsu matches in a row and it's not really as big of a deal. Uh, you can just go right back in and compete against somebody else, and you're probably going to get paid pretty similarly. Um, you still can get brought on to some really tough shows as long as you've already established a name for yourself. You know that kind of stuff happens in mixed martial arts, and you know people just tend to kind of throw you away after a while. You know, you get en- enough of a losing streak built in order to get back to where you were. You kind of have to win three, four, five fights in a row. So I'm a little worried about that from that perspective. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's it's like I said, you know, I'm running on short time in terms of the amount of athleticism I have left in terms of my athletic peak. So um, I, I think I'm going to move as, as fast as I can given my progress 
you know, we'll see what their plans are for me, and we'll see if that kind of synthesizes with what I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, I'm I, I'm happy to. I, as long as I'm not making really stupid fight decisions, uh, you know, like for instance, my first fight going against, uh, there was an organization, I'm not going to say, they name names, but there was an organization I was talking to that wanted my first fight to be against a dude who had like 60 fights or something like that. <laughs> and it's just Jesus. Like, ah, man, like, I can't do that. No, not, not at all. That I might not have been able to beat the guy with grappling, but it's just, it's just a dumb decision, right? Like, so as long as I avoid doing things like that, I think uh, I'm I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, I would agree with you. Now, in regards to your aspirations and goals in mixed martial arts, I'd imagine you want to become a champion. Absolutely, man. Yeah, the first the first thing we'll focus on is uh, you know getting a uh, belt in their organization. You know that'll be my uh, that'll be my main goal for the time being. I'm gonna be focused on uh, becoming the best that one championship has to offer. Uh, the funny thing is, is I believe the guy that holds the title for my weight division will be fighting the same night uh, as the headliner. And uh, he also holds, uh, I think the weight division underneath me. Yep. And I think he's trying to get the belt underneath that, which right. is like 45. I right. don't know how the hell he's going to drop that kind of weight. If he was, <sighs> that's crazy to me. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually speaking to him at uh, 10 p.m. I, I've got a lot of questions to ask him about that myself. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know? Do you know if he started at lightweight or did he start in the division below me? I want to say he started at featherweight, moved up to lightweight, took that uh, belt, and now he wants to drop down to 135 and take right. that belt well, that too. Makes, that makes a little bit more sense. That I can see. If he's the kind of guy that walks around usually closer to 55, and then he jumped up to 70, and then he went below to 45, that kind of makes more sense. Right. 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 Yeah. That puts him in range where that's realistic. Otherwise, I was like, I don't know what the hell this guy's doing. He must just starve himself all day. <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff. I'm looking forward to getting his take on you know how that's all going to work, defending the belts. Uh, very ambitious, to say the least. But uh, how are you doing on time? What do you mean? Sorry. Uh, like, uh, I, I only have like maybe five, six more questions here for you. Are you good on oh, time? Can... You're good, man. Okay, no cool, problem. cool. I'm good. I've finished teaching. Normally, I just kind of be coaching during rolls. It's okay. They can... They can kill each other without my supervision for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so changing gears here for, for a moment. Not every day do, do I get a chance to speak with one of the baddest grapplers in the world. So I wanted to ask you a couple things regarding the, the grappling arts. First oh, sure. off, with the success of EBI and so many others using that submission-only model, do you think that the future of sport ju- sports jiu-jitsu will eventually go the way of submission-only? Or you know, will the, will the points-based systems kind of fade away with that with that archaic system that they have? Do you think they'll still survive? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's just so many years of tradition built behind the points system that, like, that's going to – if that ever fades out, it's going to take a while. Uh, I don't – I personally don't think it will just because, again, like, that's kind of how everything started. Uh, the IBGGF is already just so big of an organization, and everybody kind of gears towards those – tournaments and everything like you're definitely seeing a big wave and a shift towards sub only to say that it's just going to like all of a sudden knock the points tournaments out i don't think so but i think it already has to a certain degree knocked out the like professional level tournaments that would like kind of include points like i I don't i wouldn't say that indefinitely like there's definitely some pro events that are still including points um but I think the majority of the successful professional organizations have all been sub only. So when you look at it in terms of that, it has replaced the traditional 
uh, point system, this whole sub-only thing, uh, has replaced it in the professional realm. Uh, will it replace it as a whole? I don't think so. Probably not. Um, but from the professional realm, I think people kind of find it more exciting and, um, you know, it's just a little bit more of an entertaining style of jiu-jitsu that people are interested in seeing. Um, so I, I don't know. And then there's a kind of a whole big thing going on with this organization called ACB right now. Right. Um, and that's throwing everything a little bit off uh, because they are signing like pretty much all the top name guys. So basically what it seems like to me, as long as they keep up what they're doing with their organization, they're going to be kind of the determining factor in what happens in the future of like professional grappling because they've signed uh, so many of these top level guys that it's kind of hard for people to not want to watch anything but those guys. You know, uh, I'm sure the other organizations will still succeed, but it seems like the, the top of the top level guys are going to end up over there. Yeah, so it seems like they're getting a bit of a conglomerate or a monopoly on the market for for, yeah, for grappling. They a, yeah, they have a lot of money, and it's much more well funded than uh, than like Metamorris and things used to be. Like even when they were paying people a decent amount of money, it wasn't uh, it was it just wasn't as consistent. Now I think you kind of have like a a more consistent stream of uh, of revenue running into their organization. Um, so I I don't know, man. It's hard to say. Like. Because that that that's really starting to to play a big role in like who fights who and stuff like that now as their organization. So uh, I don't really I can't really 100 percent project where that's going to go. Uh, I'm going to have to kind of see in the near future. Right. Um, as far as the rest of the guys, uh, I know Fight to Win's been going really strong. Yep. Um, their model their model works really well because they're able to just get live people in the stands, and that's pretty much how they make money. Uh, and they're doing the whole sub-only thing. So I think that'll be around as an outlet for a lot of guys, at least to break into the professional realm. You know, that'll be an, an available thing. Um, and, uh, you know, I see Polaris doing some pretty big things and EBI still doing big things. I, I don't really see those organizations fading out anytime soon. Okay. Very, very interesting perspective. And obviously, you know, given your history and, and both facets of, of grappling, I was very interested to hear your uh, your thoughts on it. Uh, but w- when it comes to talented grapplers and mixed martial arts, who impresses you the most? Uh, grapplers and mixed martial arts. So Damian Maya is the greatest, I would say, overall pure grappler in mixed martial arts. Um, he's been able to uh, subdue very dangerous opponents um, with high-level jiu-jitsu. Um, he hasn't really mixed skills together. Uh, as effectively as some other guys that use some grappling, etc., you know, pretty effectively. But he's one of the better uh, better guys that just uses pure grappling, I would say, overall. Um, obviously, Paul Harris has been like a big, um, you know, motivation uh, for the leg locks and everything like that, minus right. kind of some of the behavioral standpoints. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but he uh, he did did some something that Damian Maya didn't do, which is. So pretty much until recently, he's pretty much just submitting everybody. You know what I mean? Very quickly. Uh, and uh, that's a totally different style of grappling, which is more closely related to our style of grappling, um, where you know we're looking to, to do damage through submission, um, almost like a you know, boxer uses punches to do damage, instead of kind of the Damian Maya can, is more of a control uh, fighter. He has a system of control where he gets to the back, so he avoids damage. 
And then, you know, sometimes he gets the strangle, but a lot of times he just gets control over the guy and, you know, he does, a, he does throw some punches from the back and, uh, you know, just ends out the rounds that way and then wins, you know, and so it's a, it's a different strategy um, than a guy like Paul Harris had. So those are kind of the two different facets of uh, pure grappling, I would say, that I like to look at. And then uh, the third realm, I would say, that you have to kind of you, – you can't really discount is grapple box, which is where they start incorporating powerful striking on the ground with control, uh, where you're trying to pin people in different positions and throw powerful strikes. And I think Khabib Nurmagomedov is kind of the uh, – the greatest at that at the current moment. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of guys I look to for inspiration for that. Uh, but I'd say overall in, in the current MMA climate, that's kind of the guy that's that I think, I think it would be hard for many people to argue with me that that's one of the best at the moment. Right. Um, so he's, he, in terms of, you know, again, is he a submission grappler? Not really, but he is a different style than Damian Maya too. It's, he uses control, but he also, you know, pummels people like he does real damage, yeah. you know, um, where Damien is going to, you know, he's going to get onto your back, great position. Uh, but the amount of damage sustained to the other fighter during the bout is usually not as high as uh, when Khabib fights somebody. Uh, but Khabib is still using grappling. It's just like a different, a different look to it. He's using grappling to control while he hits. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, you mentioned grapple boxing there. This was something I wanted to ask you incorporating strikes into your own jiu-jitsu game that's going to be incredibly beneficial for you right yeah we haven't made a huge focus on it uh for this camp like we've been doing it intermittently i've been working like every time we went out to train with george and stuff like obviously that was part of his camps and stuff so i've got little bits and pieces of skills for uh grapple box uh we haven't like done a crazy in-depth study because like i said the biggest deficit that i had was the shoot box um the actual stand-up uh, so we've been working mostly on that, but yeah, I think in the future, uh, I could become a, a devastating force of nature when it comes to, to grapple box. If, uh, if I play my cards, right. For sure, man. All right, listen, you've been more than generous with your time. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, we'll wrap things up here with just a couple more questions. I'm wondering how active do you intend to be in this sport? You know, with BJJ competition, you can be pretty active, but realistically, how many times would you like to fight your first year in MMA competition? <laughs> Well, I'm starting a little late in the year, but I'd love to get three fights off. Uh, it might be hard uh, based off of starting in March and late March, but uh, I would love for that to happen if it's possible. I don't know if it will be, uh, but I, I'm looking to fight as often as possible to just gain experience, man. You know, like I said, uh, uh, as, as much time as I, I theoretically do have, it is kind of ticking down, man. I'm not getting any younger, so I want to try to get as much experience as I can. In terms of grappling, I've mentioned that I didn't want to entirely nix grappling. So uh, I, who knows, you know, intermittently will I take a grappling match? Probably. But will I be focused on that grappling match? Probably not. Like it'll probably just be kind of something that I do um, more for fun than anything. Uh, not that I, you know, obviously I'm always competing to win, uh, but I'll probably have to d devote the majority of my time to mixed martial arts in the future. Okay. And for anybody doubting your ability to be successful in mixed martial arts and transition into this like a pro, what would you say to those doubters? <laughs> well, you're just going to have to watch. <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say. You know, I, I, I guess in the jiu-jitsu community, I'm a little bit more known for, you know, talking shit and this, that, and the other thing. But, uh, you know, getting started with this, uh, just, just starting, not even having fought, I feel a little awkward, you know, talking too much shit or saying any, you know, too much to build myself up. So let me have one, two, maybe three fights before I start, you know, uh, 
tooting my own horn and telling everybody I'm going to kill everybody and everything like that. So let's uh, let's work the kinks out before I start uh, Conor McGregoring it. All over <laughs> Absolutely, man. You got to get a few under the belt before before you can start uh, start really promoting yourself. But I have no doubt that the sky is the limit for you, man. Uh, in conclusion, tell all the fans out there why they don't want to miss your fight and give us your prediction for the bout. Sorry, say that one more time. Uh, uh, in conclusion, tell all the fans out there why they don't want to miss your fight on March 24th and uh, give us your prediction for the fight. Two reasons you don't want to miss my, miss my fight on March 24th. One, if you hate me, you could see me knocked out on the canvas March 24th. <laughs> and you could see me in a puddle of drool and blood down on the mat. I mean, you, who wouldn't want to see that if you hate me? And if you love me, I mean, you could see me, you know, uh, start breaking legs in MMA. Who knows? So uh, my prediction is that I will get punched in the face and make a decision on what I want to do after I get punched in the face. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to figure it out while I'm in there. Awesome, man. Incredibly <laughs> candid conversation. Very honest. I greatly appreciate that honesty. Sure. Uh, again, thank you very much for the time. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. I very much look forward to see what you can accomplish in this sport. Like I said, sky is the limit, man. Hopefully we can catch up after a big win uh, after your debut. Any shout-outs or plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, all my sponsors, uh, Muscle Farm, uh, Studio 540, Evolve MMA, uh, Armbar Soap Company, um, Cash Chicks Championships, and a few, oh, Chimera Coffee. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all my sponsors unless I'm being an idiot. Uh, <laughs> so those are, those are all my guys. And, uh, you know, thanks to all my training partners, friends, family, and everything. There's a lot of people coming out to see me in person as well as I'm sure, you know, watching me online. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate any of that support. Of course it helps, um, you know, every little bit, whether you're there in person or whether you're there watching online, I really appreciate it. Whether you love me, hate me, tune in March 24th, watch Iron Will, one championship, all right, and you can see me possibly pass out on the canvas or maybe somebody else. <laughs> all right, man. Again, looking forward to it. Pleasure to speak with you. Greatly, greatly appreciate all the time you gave me tonight. Uh, sure. You have a wonderful evening, my man. Thank you, brother. Talk to you later. All right. Later. Bye-bye. That dude is intelligent. Not only is that apparent when you're speaking to him and his accomplishments in the grappling world, but how he's gone about this transition into MMA, very intelligent move, very smart stuff from Gary Tonin. I could have spoke to the guy for another 45 minutes just about jiu-jitsu alone. But alas, we have to be conscious of time. So let's keep it moving. Coming up next, one of the headliners for One Iron Will this weekend, longtime MMA veteran and the promotion's bantamweight champ, Bibiano Fernandez. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next... Bibiano Fernandez. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show a man who has fought all over the world and the current bantamweight champ for one championship and headliner of the promotion, promotion's next show in Bangkok later this month, the Flash himself, Bibiano Fernandez. What's going on, Bibiano? Where are you calling us from today, man? Oh, not much. I'm good. I'm here with the family today. I have hard training in the morning in my Muay Thai training. Now I get some rest, get a rest for tomorrow, wrestling. Everything's good. I'm excited for my next fight. Thanks for having me in the show today. Always, it's nice. Hey, well, again, we greatly appreciate your time, man. 
obviously getting ready for this big fight on March 24th. How was your camp going so far? Oh, my camp is doing great. It's awesome. I'm so excited for my next fight, and because I want, I make some adjustment. I I did some adjustment. I want to see how I go perform my next fight, and I feel good. I feel excited. I feel strong. I ready to go. You know what I mean? But now I have to pace my time. I have to re- recover my body and make my make me make right. I pick the right time, especially day like in the fight time. I want to pick exactly like that. Right. Now, are you working with Matt Hume for this camp? I did. I went to go there a little bit. I stayed there for a couple of weeks with Matt and GJ. GJ hurt his shoulder. He really didn't help me a lot there. But I have another boy there named Karras. He, This guy pushed me so hard there. And I later come back to Canada and I finished my camp here. But, yeah, I'm, you know why? For this fight, it's, it's good. I go to Seattle. Yeah, I stayed with Matt for a couple of weeks down there. Cool. So... So it sounds like you did get a chance to work with Demetrius a little bit while preparing for this one. Do you know why? I, I, because he's injured right now, right? He's holding his shoulder now. He can right. train him. I believe he maybe, maybe he gonna be getting training in like in three weeks more. He maybe he gonna be getting training in three weeks for now. Maybe I don't know when he begin. He come back to training. But they come in there, help me, support me, and say, okay, that's what I have to do. And be careful with this. That's that. We talk a lot before my fight, like before. He helped a lot. He gave a lot of advice, and he see the way he want. He see the fight, you know what I mean. But inside the cage, always change. Inside there, everything changed. But he really helped me. He there. Very good. Very good. So Martin is dropping down another weight class and looking for a third title. Very ambitious from him, if I say so myself. However, I know you plan on sending him packing back up, back up and weight. Uh, give us your thoughts on this matchup and Martin as an opponent. Do you know why he's, he, he, like, at the beginning, I respect what he did. Like, I respect everything he did. Like, he, what he compliments he to himself, like, being champion. I respect that. But he won't come down fighting me, right? And when they, 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 they try to, they, they only for the one championship coming. So, KBB, I don't want to think about us fight. He come for you now. And I say for you, okay, that's great. You know what I mean? I know because we're happy. I want to beat everybody the way class. I know what if I say. Well, I, I prefer to fight fight a new guy. When he say fight Matt Young, I say yes for sure. I want to fight him. And and now I say okay, let's me. He go coming down. He had to make the weight. That's the only thing. And I believe he can make the weight with no like I, I say he can make the weight, but he have to he go try hydration himself and he have to hydration himself to make the weight. And I say what happy if he don't make? He say I don't know. I was gonna figure out something like that. <laughs> but he said, no, he, he can make the weight. He said, he 100% can make the weight. He said, okay, if he can make the weight, no problem. I fight here. And I fight a lot of tough guys in my life. I did it. I fight Joaquin Hans. When I compare it here, when I watch it here, and I think about Joaquin Hans, I fight Takai, I fight Tafi Yamamoto Kito, I fight John Rory, I fight, oh man, Joaquin Faye, but I fight so many Good guys, when I watch that, when I push back my, I push myself back and I watch that guy, I say for sure I want to fight that guy. That's perfect fight. That's perfect fight for me right now. It's moment for my life. I need this guy. I want to fight that guy, and I accept the fight. So for you, obviously, it's you, you'll take any fight with any man on any day. But for you, it sounds like you're a little concerned that he might not be able to get this hydration thing under control to make the weight. <laughs> I, I see way. 
É lá de cima é o Down now, foi uma, nada de vídeo, não foi um tipo Down. Be, I can make the weight, but I can make the weight, but I don't know I can make the hydration. I see this way. I can go down, I can drop down for another weight class low. I can make the weight, but I don't think I can make the hydration. I, I tell this for the, the everybody there. But people say, no, he, he can make. I say, okay, if he can make, great. You know what I mean? I fight it here. Right. Right. Now, well, I commend Martin for, for attempting a historic feat in doing this. You know, I also wonder what he's putting his body through by changing weight like this. What's your take on that? And have you considered this multiple weight champ pursuit yourself? Like, is it a possibility to, for Martin to move up and down with these titles? Is that something that you think is realistic for him? Like, okay, let me ask, again. ask that question again slower, please. Yeah, do you think it's realistic for Martin to think that he's going to be able to move between three weight classes and defend all these titles? Okay, the thing is, that I, always I go for the papers. For me, I'm very good at it. When you, when you think about this guy, I go talk. I think about the numbers. I always think about the numbers first. Later, I think about, okay, this guy. I don't know who you who you with me or not, but I go try to explain this for you. When you, when you beat that guy, Kafaro, I always a fight, good. Kafaro get tired, Kafaro is bigger, he lose more weight for fight the, the 155 weight class. He he get he catch Kafaro, Kafaro get lazy, he knock out Kafaro. Right. I watch I watch the fight. Now I think about the second fight up down there. He fight uh, Edward Fly. I think that's the name for the guy. Yeah. He fight the Filipino guy. But let's go push this very quick here. And later go answer your question. He fight a guy, this guy he have seven TKO. The guy lost it seven times with TKO. Like TKO. And his ground is not very good ground. When you watch the fight, <coughs> this guy dropped uh, Young, drop uh, TKO Edward Fly. But why? <laughs> because this guy will have seven TKO. He's still not good anymore. That. Yeah. Any punch can drop here. My friend, now this guy can be fighting me. Right now in my weight class, he fight me. I feel strong. I feel energetic. I I improve every time I jump in the cage. Every time I go inside the cage, I improve something. And he come fighting me. When I watch his fight, he's good. But I face guys better for him. So and really, I, I go tell something. Another thing I will tell you. He can beat me. I don't say this is impossible. But trust me, this will, I will give you hell for that guy. So it's, it sounds to me like uh, while while you respect what he's doing, you think he's bit off way more than he can chew with taking this fight against you. What sounds like it? It sounds to me like while you respect what, what he's doing with coming down another weight class, you think that he has he's bit off way more than he can chew taking a fight against you. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> okay. Now, do you think the promotion is wise to have a guy tie up three divisions? Uh, it's Asia, right? It's the, the promotion. The, the promotion in Asia, for sure. The promotion with some Asia guy win. And for sure, if he wins, good for the business there. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? He's good for the business. Now I'm talking about business, you know what I mean? Like, for the for, for you win, it's good for the promotion, it's good for you. If you have three belts, that will be first time in, the, in some organization, somebody have three belts, you know what I mean? That's... It's a business for the business. I think it's good for the promotion. You know what I mean? But for Bibiano, I don't care about the promo. I, I don't care about the business. I want to care about fight that guy. Right. He think he think he he go like he go 
think he can get me, I I go give a hot bath for that guy. That's for sure. Yeah. Now you're a guy who's fought internationally for years and years. You've competed against the who's who outside of the UFC, even guys that are in the UFC and and have been very successful. Given that you're 37 years old now and are already accomplished so much, what keeps you going, man? What else? What else do you want to accomplish in this sport? I, I, in this sport, I already did it. I did it. I did already. But I have my visual. I have a goal. I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? And I don't have. I don't think it's my goal yet. I I have to keep it going a little bit more. But soon I will stop. Maybe this fight. Maybe next fight. But I come into business for understanding the MMA business. I not business, but understanding the the fight, the mind, the distance, the movement, the the, the style of fighting. Like I can understand everything. The Western style. The, main style of fighting, I need to understand that from now I can be complete MMA fighter. That's what I want. That's my goal I have in my life. I see I want to be understandable. Like when I watch the fight, when I want to speak about strikes, when I want about distance, I want about the movement, I want the because today MMA change a lot. And I need to understand that. If you one day if I want to be school one day, I need to teach my my Students. Oh, I want to cheat self-discipline and self-defense for people. But... Oh, hey, I lost you there for a minute. You there? You back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear you now. Hello. You yeah, still... I have my goal in life, and I need to understand the, the MMA. I need to understand the MMA skills. I need to understand that. Now I understand, like, the new MMA, the, the new style coming to my grab right now, that, the way he fight. Now I understand, because now everybody try, try fight same here, and I say, okay, now I know how the way he like fight. That's the way I want to understand MMA, this one. And Jiu-Jitsu, I move Jiu-Jitsu, I win Jiu-Jitsu, I win the belts. And I don't know, you keep it moving forward. I compliment a lot of things. I think my love is MMA. I think I, I reached a lot for, for, for understand, for understand. So for you, it's it's just about learning and evolving as a martial artist. Exactly. Okay. For me. Okay. For me, for or learning, evolve, understand. You know I me. Mean? Understand what is good for for mixed martial art. What is not good for mixed martial art. You need to understand both ways. You know what I mean? Because example, today in jiu-jitsu you have new skill, namely beating ball. You hear about that or not? Right. Right. You hear you hear about beating ball or no? Oh, the, oh the, the, yeah, the Benny Bolo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. This skill for MMA is no good. You need to understand that. We understand that. That skill for MMA is no good. Because why? You don't go try beating ball somebody because somebody go hit you in the face. Right, but right. <laughs> you, know, you need to understand that. But if you if you pick the classical jiu-jitsu, like Hoysi Gracie, Hickson Gracie, that's perfect jiu-jitsu for MMA. That's what you need to understand. And... That's what I say. In stand up, you need to understand the one, two, left hook. That's in MMA. You don't need to throw a lot of punch. You need to like two combo, three combo. That's it. That's a, that's a lot of thing I have to learn in MMA. If you, that's what I have to understand. You know what I mean? The distance and yeah, Yeah, you know you're absolutely right, man. I think that every martial art that it, that gets incorporated into mixed martial arts, there's so much stuff that does not apply. When you fight in the cage, you know, like you were saying with jujitsu, with striking, I mean, you know, you, like you said, you can't throw a 10, 10 punch combination, uh, and expect that to be effective in mixed martial arts because 
knocked. Yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get taken down. You're gonna get counted. You're gonna get pu- pushed up against the cage. All of those things. So, uh, I completely understand where you're coming from, but you haven't lost in seven years, man. What can you attribute all that success to? I mean, is it is it hard work? Is it training partners? Is oh it a combination of things? A, a, a combination, combination with the many things. You know what I mean? I have three, I have three kids in my house, but I try balance myself more I can. You know what I mean? Like I chose, I chose to mix martial art in my life. I did. I chose to see. Do you know why? I'm no bad. I know great students. I'm not. I'm no good students, but I understand mixed martial arts. I understand the mentality. I understand the skill. I understand the, the, the body. I like push myself. You know what I mean? I like training. I like do battle. I, I'm very comparable for the battle for myself. I don't do better for no one. I do better for me. You know what I mean? And that drive me. Drive make me feel, you know what? I can do better. How? Now I ask myself, how I can do better? How I can evolve? And now I, I see, I, I tape my training. I, every time I'm training, I tape my training. And later I go watch my training and say, okay, maybe I can fix it here. Next time I go training, I can fix something in the training. Like that's, I keep involved. That's inspiring me. Like that's, I try to reach the, the, the next level. Maybe I went in next level. I don't know, you know what I mean? But I try to understand that. Right. Right. Now, how much longer would you like to compete? I mean, do you plan to finish your career with one? Yeah, I think so. I think I won't, I won't finish with that. I won't finish with that guy's that. This guy, they came very well. One championship, really, one championship, they came very well. He, he really helped a lot. If you see this guy, this guy does a good thing for me, you know what I mean? And really, he have a, like he said, too, when I stop fighting, maybe I want to work for this guy's that. I don't know. But... I won't stop fight for this guy for sure. Because really, I, I get it 38 next week. Yeah, next, no next week. 30, March 30, I get 38. And I will make some decisions what I go do it. Yeah, I, I think that it seems like everybody I talk to that fights for one championship all says the same thing, that they're, that they're taking very good care of you guys. So. Yeah, it, it take. It really? I go tell something. That's why if somebody wants to fight in Asia right now, one guy will listen to me. We speak, BBM speaking. You want to fight in Asia. First one, he go, he go test you. He send me any corporation. Anything, any corporation, anything. Watch UFC, Bellator. People go test you. Example, now you come and fight for these guys. You go fight one, two, three. Okay, maybe three, you can renew contract. Three fight, four fight, maybe renew contract. Now you have a new contract. Now you have to fight again for four times more. In this fourth time, three fight more, depending on contract is. If you prove yourself, now you're in a good position. Same every corporation. And if you do your job, you go there and beat the guy and try to prove yourself, people will take care of you. If I go fight FC, if I fight one championship or Bellator, I believe it's like that. I don't know. Maybe FC not because people always complain about FC, but one championship, I don't can complain about this guy because this guy really is very mixed martial art there. Yeah. He understands about mixed martial art. Right. That, that, that's one thing that I hear a lot from guys too is that uh, they're not so worried about losing their jobs, you know, at the end of a fight. They, they they go out there, they fight their hearts out, they put it all on the line, and at the end of the day, if they lose, they lose, but they're not worried about having to find a new job after that loss. So it seems you like there's... You know what? You are 100% right. Very nice you say about that. Very good to say something. Very nice I go say something for you, too. One time, uh, Sasahara is the, the, the dream and pride promotion, the time that... I was there, and people losing the fight. 
people lose there. And the Sahara is, is, is the height in the dream pride is always there. And he says something, that's mental, Asia mentality. That's very good you say that. Because he say like that, do you know why? Sometimes us win, sometimes us lose. But the thing is, the guy say, or keep it move for, or keep it move. That he say, and that day I say, wow, I have a lot of respect for the, the, the way the people think in Asia, you know what I mean? And that's it, same essential. People don't have to worry, okay, my God, I don't have more job anymore, all this, you know what I mean? I don't have to, if you have good contract, you have good contract, the people will still pay you, if you deserve it, too. Right, <clears throat> and that's one thing that I've always missed about Pride, and it's nice to see that it's happening in one in one championship, is that, uh, you know, the, the, the people that go to those shows respect you guys, and they understand that there has to be a winner and a loser, and as long as you go out there and fight your heart out, they love you both for what you've done. So uh, I agree with you, man. That that's very refreshing to see, and uh, I wish more organizations would act like that. Um, but you know, speaking of which, I, I think an incredible super fight to make for you moving forward would be you against Kyoji Horiguchi. I know that there's some promotional hurdles that that would have to have to be jumped through for that. But is that a fight that would interest you? Yeah, if he, if he, if he did, if he's there, my friend, the thing is, I'm chasing him. If you there, same day, one championship come for me, they try to come for me, say, Bibiano, this guy here for you. You want to fight that guy? I say, yes. But I don't go chase nobody. I go keep him going. I have my vision. Same I see. I have my defend my belt. I mean, if he come in my way, if I fight him, for sure I will, I will fight him. Right, <clears throat> right. You've, do, you've done too much. You've accomplished too much. And there's no need for you to go chasing fights at this point. Same I say, if I have to fight somebody, he's there for me, I'd be there for him. You know what I mean? Right. He's over here, I had to fight him. So what do you think about that? I say, yes, let's do it. You know what I mean? Same I say, and he's a new guy. Right, right. Now, speaking of super fights, everyone is, has been waiting for the announcement of, of Mighty Mouse versus TJ Dillashaw, hoping that that becomes official. However, it seems like negotiations have kind of stalled out on that. But being that you're so close with Demetrius... Do you think that fight's actually going to happen? And, and how do you think that it's going to play out? I, I, I really, I, I wish I could give some news for you, but really, this, I don't know. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe yes, maybe not. You know what I mean? Because it's now, I don't know he going to fight because now he's injured. You know what I mean? He hurt his shoulder. I don't know how long he going to take off. Like, he can train at least for three more weeks. You know what I mean? Right. But I, will, I, I hope this fight happens because I believe DJ is pretty... DJ is pretty tough kid, you know what I mean? And if he, DJ Daddy Shot coming down, fight Dimitri Johnson, it's going to be very hot for him. And I think DJ can, can, can be much better in that one, that, 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 that flyweight. Right, right. Now, listen, man, you've been more than generous with your time. I just got a couple more questions here for you. For sure, go for my friend. I'm here doing my job. At least you're a good man. I'm here for <laughs> I, I appreciate it, brother. Uh, so one championship has announced that they that they're going to be promoting uh, the striking arts on top of MMA and the uh, exhibition grappling matches they've been doing. You know, with the one uh, super series or whatever they're calling it. Give us your thoughts on those ambitions, and would you be interested in testing yourself and say uh, Muay Thai fight in the promotion? You know, I, I really think about that a couple of days ago. So maybe I would test my skill in Muay Thai. I did. I really think about that. I really think about that because it's really a lot Muay Thai. And I really think about, oh, maybe it could be good I try Muay Thai, you know what I mean? Why not? 
with something I can go there and do it more time and see who, who the guy will fight. I think it's going to be a good idea. I don't, I go say yes. Cool, cool. Well, that's just another avenue for you to make some money and have some fun out there. So uh, exactly, you know I me. Mean? I love the. I, I, you know what? I love the competition. I love the training. You know I me. Mean? I love the adrenaline. You know I me. Mean? I my mind likes my my mind escape. I like be there. I like doing my job. I like compete. I like I like feel the energy. I like feel the ah the 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 edge. I kill you. You know what I mean? Like I kill you. <laughs> like for me, I like this. You know what I mean? But for sure, soon. I stop, but I, I wish I did. I, I I believe I did a lot of the MMA. I think so too, man. I think you're a very very accomplished guy, and 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 you've you've done a lot in the sport. Uh, but you know, you're talking about your 38th birthday coming up after the fight. I know things might be a little uncertain for you at that point, but realistically, how many times would you like to fight this year? The thing is now, folks, my fight coming. That's the one. Right after that. I will tell you how many times I will fight. You know what I mean? Because the thing is, always I like, I do always I like step by step. Always I'm Bibiano, Bibiano. Always I like step by step. Let me go pick this guy, but I have a vision different. Like I know I have to do it over there. But right now, I have to focus on this guy hundred percent. I don't want to fight the focus another one. I want to focus on this guy right now. He's over here. I have to be very smart, very focused. Every folks, I can. If you don't think another fight to Eddie, I don't want to think like that right now. I want to think, okay, let's see what this guy has for me right now. Well, let's see what's going to be after this fight. But right now, I have to focus on my guy. Okay, fair enough, man. And in conclusion, tell all the fans out there what they can expect on fight night on March 24th. How do you visualize the fight playing out? And why does everybody need to make sure that they sh- that they tune in? Do you know why? I go, same as I always do. I always go that fight. Always a fight to I want to push the fight, but you know what? A lot of time, my guys try move a lot. I try chase. You know what I mean? I don't know how this guy will try play with me. Maybe he will try run it, try take with the right hand, or I don't know how he will try fight. But for me, I like move. I like compete. I like feel the energy. I like go and try and see what the guy have. For me, I always look for TKO or I look for things. That's the way I fight. I fight to win. All right, man. Fair enough. I, I, I think that's a, that's a good answer, and, and like I said, you, you've accomplished a ton in this sport, so uh, that's all anybody could ask for. Uh, thank you so much for the time tonight, Bibiano. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, and, and I hope we can catch up again soon after a big win. Any shout-outs or plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? No, I said thank you for everybody. Thank you for having me tonight. And that's it for now, you know what I mean? Like, for now, I don't be, be careful to my body, healing my body. And make my machine get ready for my fight. And thank you one more time for having me. That's that's it. All right, man. Again, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for uh, waiting up for us. I know I was delayed a little bit, but again, I hope we can catch up again soon. You have a wonderful evening, man. Don't worry, my friend. You take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Later, bud. My apologies, guys, about the end of the conversation there uh, when his audio level cut in more than half. Uh, I had space run out on my recording device, but whatever. Anyway, Bibiano is a guy who is who has done it all and then some in this game. Trains with the pound-for-pound greatest in Mighty Mouse. Still remains humble as anyone in this business. Great guy. Great conversation. Make sure you guys check out this fight on Saturday. I'm your host, Jay Kench. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Let's keep it moving. Next up, the man looking to take Bibiano's title... 
the lightweight and featherweight champ under the one banner, Martin Nguyen. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show the one championship lightweight and featherweight title holder who is ambitiously looking to set a record and get a third title coming up on March 24th in Bangkok, Thailand. The situation himself, Martin Nguyen. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Martin? Uh, how is your yeah, morning going across the, the globe, that's man? That's the intro, man. That's the intro. <laughs> How's your morning going across What's the globe up, in bro? Australia, brother? Yeah, it's good, man. It's nice and hot over here. Um, you know, everything, everything's going to plan. Uh, feeling sharper than ever. Can't wait till next week, man, to, to show the world what I've got, you know. Now, you're looking to make history uh, next week against Bibiano Fernandez, capture that third title. How is your camp going so far? You know, um, I've had a lot more time to, to prepare for this fight. Um, I went back-to-back with the fight camps in my last two previous fights. Uh, I, I thought I'd give myself a bit of a break. Uh, we were meant to do this fight early February, but um, I asked for it to be late March. You know, so um, Preparation for this fight camp has been... Yeah, tremendous. This is the best I've ever felt. Um, and I feel that this is might possibly be my natural weight class from getting down to this weight, you know. I've my cardio's picked up, my strength is still here, um, my speed is just picked up as well. So everything all the stars are slowly aligning and come next week next week, um, there's gonna be no excuses, man. So very good. So it sounds like uh you, you having back to back fight camps, it was wise of you to take a little time to, to you know, rest and recuperate a bit. Yeah, definitely, 100%. So the first one, um, I mean, we're, we're preparing for a December showdown anyway, but um, once we got that phone call to fight Edward, um, you know, the intensity was, was still high, you know. So um, just after that second fight, I, I, I just felt that the body needed a rest. So um, we, we had a bit of um, family time, recuperated a bit, got me time to, you know, enjoy my food, enjoy eating a bit before having to cut the weight through the, the festive season, you know, Christmas, New Year's. Um, it was the hardest time uh, cutting weight, but you know I got through it, and you know, everything's on track. So <laughs> it's funny you say that. Every time I talk to fighters around the holidays that are cutting weight, they are not happy, man. <laughs> oh man, it's the worst. I swear, I've done it back to back now. I keep telling myself every year, no, no, not again, not again, not again. And you know, I, it always happens, but uh, um, it happens for a reason, I guess. Right. Right now, give us your thoughts on Bibiano as an opponent. You know, he's been around the game a long time, hasn't lost in seven years. How do you guys match up stylistically, and what kind of problems do you think you pose to him that he hasn't faced yet? Um, look, he, he's been in the game forever, man. Anything I can oppose to him, um, he, 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 he's been through it all, you know. Um, I just feel that I'm just a, a different fighter altogether now coming down to this weight. So, um, stylistically-wise, uh, I mean, the fans have to wait and see come Saturday night. But um, in terms of Viviano's skills and his experience, man, they're tremendous. You know, you, you can't get a better record than what he's got. And, you know, um, just the way he's, he's finished his opponents and the way he's, he's fought his last previous fights. Um, I mean, he's, he, he's a champion for a reason, you know, and he's a good role model. I'm sure uh, his kids look up to him just as much as uh, my kids look up to me. And, you know, it's going to be an all-out war. Um, and one of one of our hands is going to get raised. So, so tell tell us about Ooh, the. We just have to wait till Saturday night for that one. <laughs> right, right. Now, tell us about the decision to go for a third title. Two belts was just not enough for you, man. Look, man. Um, it's it's funny you say that because, um, 
coming into that first title fight with Gafarov, uh, I was well underweight and I didn't diet at all. I just ate whatever I wanted to eat. Peaking season, um, the peaking weeks, last couple of weeks, I lost more more weight than I usually would. Um, and coming into that fight, I was 68 kilos. And um, talking to my coach, the next fight weight down was uh, six and six. So it was always it was always on our mind. And you now we've planted the seed that uh, once we do win this title, I mean. It was it was a thing at the it was a thing um, that Bibiana was walking through all his opponents and they were finding it hard for him to get opponents. So um, it was just a, a thing of planting the seed with one championship to go down a weight division and fight um, Bibiana. Test the waters down there as well gives me a chance to um, to see where my abilities are at uh, when it goes down to that weight class. But um, you know they they one championship knew that I wanted to fight in a different division, um, <laughs> not knowing that I wanted to go up. I didn't want, ever want to go up. I didn't want to fight a friend, you know, but um, they offered the fight and I ran it by Edward and um, Edward goes, just got to do what we have to do, man. And he's the one that initiated that we should fight and um, he, the rest is history, man. I, I fought up the weight class. Uh, in a weight class, uh, I wasn't even, you know, tempted at all to go up to. Um, and yeah, the, the decision went my way and now that I have two belts, um, I mean, one championship, all I can really do other than defences is to grant me my offer before um, I start defending, you know? Right, so th- is this about legacy for you or was it more about challenging yourself? Yeah, man, it's it's, it's a bit of both, you know? I want to leave, I want I want the MMA community uh, and the fans to, to remember me, you know? Um, it's all about the legacy, it's all about the martial arts journey at the end of the day. Um, the belts, man, they're just an accessory. They're they're uh, they're on every MMA fighter's mind. Everyone wants to be a world champion. Um, everyone wants to be, you know, the best fighter in the world. Um, for me, it's all about inspiring. The belts do come with the um, the fame, um, but you know what? Um, I already, I've already accomplished more than what I could ever possibly imagine. I just thought, you know, at least get one belt and I'll be happy. You know, um, I've got two. The belts now, it's just all about fighting the best in the world um, for me and you know, leaving a legacy behind, you know, so everyone can remember. Right. Now, given how young you are, you know, most fighters aren't this ambitious at your age. You know, the, the, I think that most feel like the 30s, beginning to mid-30s is when you really hit your prime. What else can you possibly accomplish if you win this third title? Um. I don't know, man. I haven't fought that far. Um, I, <laughs> I just, I just, I just plan, plan my year as as I go, man. I, I, I plan on winning this fight. I plan on defending it straight away and defending both my other titles as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of what else can I go for me? You can only expect uh, me to defend my title, titles and you know um, be a better fighter every time. You know, I've, I, I feel like I've just scratched the surface of becoming a, a better martial artist. Right. Now, a question that Im- immediately comes to mind for me is the weight cut. So it sounds like you're comfortable dropping to 135, but 155 was never really in the cards for you as far as that was something you were going to do? No, nah, well, I mean, the, with one championship's weigh-in rules, I mean, going into that fight with Edward at, um, for the lightweight title, I mean, the weigh-in cutoff was 77.1. I was 71 kilos fight day. I was way under, and I and I felt that um, 
Edward was a much better, much bigger guy. Um, he, at a minimum, he would have had about seven kilos on top of me. So I, it was all all about instinct, all about um, technique and skill and speed in that fight. Um, but yeah, in terms of going up, it was never on my mind, as I said. Um, going down, uh, it was always on my mind, you know. So I was always underweight, fighting at featherweight. Uh, with one championship rules, it's at 70.3. So I was always underweight with that weight class. So fighting now at um, bantamweight cutoff, um, I feel that this is this is going to be probably, most probably the best Martin Nguyen you'll ever see. So in regards to the plans for these three titles, I, I know it sounds to me like you know the 155 was never really something that you were going to pursue, but it happened, and now you have that title. Now if you get this third title... Are you going to be able to defend them all simultaneously? Is that going to be difficult for you to do? That's the plan, man. That's the plan for this year. That's the one. That's the that's the accomplishment that I've set for myself, and that's the accomplishments that I want to achieve. So, I'll, I'll, as I said, I, I plan on winning this fight, uh, as every fighter would, um, and I plan on defending it straight away. Now that my weight is around that the same weight, and then I'll start moving up as the year uh, as the year ends. So. By the end of the year, I want to be the best I can be near the uh, 155 mark and, you know, defend the titles. Wow, incredibly ambitious, and, man, what a story you would have if you can pull this thing off, man. I mean, you've already done a hell of a lot with, <laughs> with, with what you've done so far, but honestly, man, I mean, everybody, everybody in the MMA community would be looking at you saying, well, that's the guy, i got to try to accomplish that, and so young as well, very incredible stuff, but a lot of promoters would be weary of, of letting a guy – you know, one guy tie up three divisions. This is going to be a crazy schedule for you, man. Are, are you comfortable with that? And and what concerns do you have about moving up and down and weight so much? Well, this is, um, I mean, in terms of tying up the division, it's not really tying up the division. If anything, I should be motivating other fighters to be stepping up their fight game, finishing their fights, um, you know, drastically and dramatically, you know, just to get that title shot. I feel that title shots are given way too easy these days. And, you know, guys that are coming in to a promotion with uh, that are on like a one, two fight winning streak are calling for you know, a title shot. You know, me having these belts, it should actually motivate other fighters to step up their game, to take out every other fighter in the division to earn their position. I mean, this is where I, I got my positions. You know, I, um, I fought my way all the way up and won these titles. And, you know, I planted seeds and, um, where one championship want to take it from here. I mean, it's, it's totally up to them. But you know, for for me personally, I've I've set goals and I and I, and I plan on achieving them. Whether it's going to be in any division, um, I I tend to fight three to four times a year. Um, I tend to stay busy as I can while I'm in this fight game. So we'll see what happens. Well, that's a very interesting take, and I think I would agree with you, man. You know, people. Just one or two fights already calling for a title shot. Why don't you clean out the division first? And you holding these titles, I mean, that that affords them the opportunities to actually do that and earn that title shot. So I would agree with you there. Correct, that, yeah. That's an interesting perspective to have on it. Now, I know your dream is to compete in Vietnam. Uh, has there been any headway on that? I mean, I'd imagine after becoming a three-division champ, one championship is, <laughs> is going to have to showcase you in that country. Well, yeah, the, the Vietnamese community... Um, they're, they're slowly picking up on who I am. Um, obviously, uh, I wasn't born there, um, and I, I, I don't live there, so it's very hard to market me in that position. But um, people do know of me. They're starting to pick up who I am. So um, look, 
one championship. They're, they're doing all they can, all they can to get the the promotion into Vietnam and set up a you know a big showdown. But um, you know, only time will tell. We're just gonna have to wait, uh, wait and see what happens. And um, you know, uh, hopefully one day, knock on wood, it actually happens, and um, I'll, I'll be there definitely to main event. If not, uh, to support it definitely. Well, Brandon Vera wasn't born in Philo- in the Philippines, right? Yeah, no, I think I'm pretty sure he was. I'm not too sure. I think I'm pretty sure he was born there and then he moved to the U.S. I'm, I'm not okay, sure. I probably ha- I probably have that backwards. Then I was always always under the impression that he was just a Filipino American and was not born in the Philippines. But either way, man, I think that uh, you know, g- given your style, given your accomplishments so far, they'll catch on eventually. It's a possibility. There's a possibility. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of talent that comes out of Vietnam, but but one guy that reached superstardom was Kung Lee. Um, you know, given how much how much love you're getting from the Vietnamese people at this point, have, has anybody compared you to Kung Lee in that regard? You know what? Um, funny you say that. Kung Lee himself, he, um, he we actually become good friends. He, he talks to me on a regular. He, he mentors me uh, throughout this time. And uh, what better way to learn from someone... Um, then you know Kung Lee, you know he's, he's right. been through the ins and outs. He's been through you know the world championship phases. He, he's fought in the highest pinnacle of MMA, um, and for him to actually reach out and give me advice, you know, it's such an honor knowing somebody like that. And um, you know, he, he so far since I've actually scratched the surface in the Vietnamese community, he's actually helped me on um, how to control every situation. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool of him to reach out like that. Obviously, he sees a ton of potential in you. Uh, but for all the fans in the West that aren't familiar with your story, uh, briefly tell us about how you got into mixed martial arts and uh, a little bit about your background as an athlete. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, I started off uh, as a rugby player. Um, I played rugby since I was eight years old. Um, up until I was 18, I, I decided to hang up the boots. Uh, I was getting too many injuries. You know, I was at a young... Um, I was going through that young young state of teenager mind um, where I thought I was invincible. Uh, but, you know, injuries got the best of me and um, I caught a quit. I did two and a half years of rehabilitation on my shoulders and injuries. And um, to be honest, I, I kind of let myself go. I, I got married. I had my first child. Uh, we had our first child, me and my wife. Um, I went up to... I went from being roughly 155, 70 kilos, um, to 86 kilos walking weight and I was I was overweight you know and um, one day I was just hanging out with friends um, at the front of my house and you know uh, UFC was getting big at the time and um, Jiu Jitsu was a thing wrestling was a thing kickboxing was a thing and um, I always thought like because uh, coming from the rugby background we always had that wrestling I wanted to try out Blizzard Jiu Jitsu and my friend um, at the time he he offered that we should go and do like a trial class of where he trains and that's where I train at the moment so came a top team in Liverpool um, so one night we just organise a night we get together and we go there and um, we try it out you know see if it's see if it's for us or see if it's something we'd we'd like to take on further in our life you know and um, as soon as I walked up those stairs uh, to came top team I met my head coach who's uh, Fari Salievsky he's been in the industry for 36 years plus um, Welcomed us with open arms, and you know what? From that day of the first training session to even today, I mean, I I fell in love with I fell in love with the sport, and you know, I wouldn't look back twice. You know. 
So it was, it was literally walking up those stairs, and the rest was history. Correct, yeah, correct. Wow, that's pretty cool stuff, man. I've got to say, one thing that, that sticks out for me personally is that you carry some serious power for a lighter guy. Uh, have you always had that kind of heat in your hands, or was that something you had to develop over time? I personally don't. I mean, I, I spar with the guys uh, at KMA, and I think that they have harder punches than I do. I just, I don't know. I, I think just knocking out the last two guys, um, people have have just given me that persona of having the knockout power. But I always went by, always went by the terms precision and speed. It's always those punches that you don't see coming that hurt the most. Right. So um, that's, that's, I mean, I don't consider myself as a knockout artist or, you know, a power puncher. I just think that the, my timing and my um, my precision in the punching is and technique is what uh, has won me that fight, those fights, you know. Um, so, I mean, for my striking, I, I think my striking coach, Kreiser, um, he's, he's, I mean, I, I couldn't throw a jab. The first day I was with him, he made me throw like 300 <laughs> jabs. Um, but yeah, so we've been working together now for the last uh, three years, and I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Everything that he's that he, that he's teaching me is like tremendous, you know. So um, I'm forever grateful. So looking forward, obviously not past Bibiano by any means. Uh, it, it sounds to me like your plan so far after this fight in Bangkok, you want to defend the 135 pound belt first, and then move up and weight gradually throughout the year. 135, 145, 155. That's the plan. Okay, so three times this year, that's that's how many times you'd like to fight? Correct. Cool. One championship, no doubt. I've planned to defeat with them as well. But um, I don't want to look too far too far ahead. Bibiana is a dangerous opponent. Um, my first plan's first is to take out Bibiana, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. All right, man, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple more questions here for you. Uh, one, right. one championship has announced the uh, Super Series, and they'll be promoting the striking arts uh, on top of MMA as well. Is that something that you'd be interested in? Um, definitely, definitely not. I want to stick to my own discipline and what I know. Um, if I went straight toe-to-toe with a kickboxer, I know I'll come out shaking verses. It's something that they've been doing all their lives. Um, look, I, I support one championship, and I thought that they would have done this ages ago. Um but, um, yeah, the Super Series and the kickboxing, man, it's going to be absolutely epic. Cool. So while, while you, you'll enjoy it, you respect that, you're going to you're gonna stick to your own game. Correct. Okay, cool. And uh, so in an ideal situation, three times this year, three title defenses, very ambitious, but I think you can do it. And, and not only that, it would be a historic thing to do. Very, very cool stuff from you, man. Uh, to wrap things up, how do you visualize the fight playing out? And for all the uh, situation fans out there, uh, what's your prediction? <laughs> and tell all the fans why they need to make sure they tune in for this one. Um, I I plan on this fight. It's going to be a quick one from the get-go. Um, as soon as the, buzz, the buzzer goes, he's going to try to take me out in the first, second round um, like he does every every fight. He's going to, try to be, he's going to be pushing the pace. He's going to be stalking me. Um, the main thing is he's going to be coming forward, and that's what I want. I want him to come forward. So um, we'll see what happens when, when the fight, when he comes forward and, you know, when he gets a bit more tired and we'll go from there. Um, but we have our game plans. We've got, we've got our movements. We've got our, um, you know, our, our tricks up our sleeves. So um, come Saturday night, it would only, this whole eight-week eight week intense fight camp um, will only play out on that one night, you know. So everyone's going to have to sit down and wait and see. 
24th of March, Bangkok, Impact Arena. Um, yeah, be, be awake, be, be, be aware. Everyone's going to be watching this fight, not only in Asia, but around the world. For sure. I'll be tuning in, and, and I know many others that will be. Uh, and, and like you said, all of Asia will be as well. Very cool stuff, man. Greatly appreciate your time tonight, Martin. Uh, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Very much look forward for what the future holds in store for you. Uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon after a big win. Any shout-outs or plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Yeah, I just want to um, shout-out to the guys that have been supporting me since day one. So, KMA top team, my head coach, um, Barry Salievsky, my striking coach, Krasda, um Bad Boy, Saigon Sports Club, Tree and Chris there, you guys have been freaking awesome. Um, Fighters Against Child Abuse Australia and Century MMA um, and my uh, management company, Six Degrees. Thank you guys so much for that. You guys, uh, I mean, all this wouldn't have been possible. All right, man. Again, greatly appreciated. Looking forward to the fight. And uh, you have a wonderful morning over there in Australia. Hope we can have another great conversation in the near future, man. Thanks, brother. Speak soon. All right. Later. Thank you. For those of you who aren't familiar with Martin, go check him out, guys. Watch his old fights. Witness the road and the journey he's gone down to get where he is today. He's definitely fun to watch. He's full of talent. One has done a great job promoting him. As they've done everybody in these Asian markets, they really have that on lock. There is no debate. They put on tremendous shows with tremendous talent. Make sure you guys tune in this Saturday. One championship, Iron Will. In Bangkok, Thailand, it's going to be an amazing card. But again, let's keep going. Our final guest of the evening, guest number seven, fighting Yushinokami in Glendale, Arizona on April 14th, UFC on Fox 29. Coming up next, this is the Fighter's Voice, BJPenn.com radio. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up next, guys, Diego Lima. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show... Mixed martial arts veteran and UFC welterweight Diego Lima. What's going on, Diego? Uh, how have how has your training sessions been so far today, my man? What's going on, boss? Doing great, man. Training's going amazing. I'm down to you know training once a day now until the fight, and you know I'm in great shape already, peaking at the right time, and I can't wait to put on the show. Very good, man. Very good. So you're getting ready for this fight in Glendale, Arizona, UFC on Fox 29 against Yushin Okami. How has preparation been for this fight so far? Man, it's been one of the best ever, you know. I've been I've been preparing actually for a long time, you know. I had to prepare my brother for Rory McDonald, so I was pretty much in camp with him. And then after that, our coach, Juan Carnero, he fought in, uh, in Dubai, so I had to prepare him after that, so... Man, I've been in shape, man. I've been, it's been a long road, you know, so I've been in shape and I've been training for a long time and then it got a lot better, you know, watching those guys, helping those guys out and now it's my turn, you know, I can't wait. Very cool. So you mentioned a couple things there. You mentioned a couple things there I wanted to get to in a bit, but uh, first off, big opportunity for you with Yushin Okami, longtime veteran, title challenger in the UFC. Uh, on top of that, he's a relatively household name for real MMA fans. First off, give us your thoughts on Yushin as an opponent, and how do you guys match up stylistically? Man, uh, the guy in front of me, you know. I'm not going to respect him once he gets in that cage, man. I don't care what he's done, you know. 
once he gets in there, that's all out the window. You know, I do respect him as a person. You know, he's done so much in the sport, fought for a title before. You know, he's fought the names of the names. But for me, man, he's just going to be another guy standing in front of me. You know, I respect him after the fight, but, you know, I can't fall into that trap, man. You know, I'm going to show him no respect. I'm going to get right on his face, man, and I'm going to look to take his hat off. Absolutely. And, and, you know, secondly, I get what you're saying about, uh, you know, you can't really respect your opponent once you get in there. But at the end of the day, you know, in regards to his name recognition, you must have been pretty excited when the UFC offered you this bout. Man, I, I, I was very excited. You know, it's a great opportunity for me, man, because beating this guy, man, especially if I finish this guy, man, it, it, it really puts me like in the top 30. I really believe top 20, you know, because he just fought at 205 and Man, I was really excited, man. I turned down a few short notice fights for this fight, you know, because they said it was supposed to happen actually in January, and they're like, no, he's not going to be ready until April. And then they offered me another fight, but it was short notice, and I was like, no, I'll just wait for it, you know, because such a bigger name, and I'm not going to throw myself out there in a short notice uh, coming off a loss, you know. So everything worked out, man, and we're finally getting to it. You know, it's been a long time waiting for me, and, you know, I'm more than prepared. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the, the the long time there. That's something I wanted to talk to you about as well. But uh, care to share with us who they offered you on short notice? Short notice, it was Alex Morano. You know, he um, it was for that fight in Austin, Texas. I think his hometown. Right. No, no, no. Actually, it was, it was the Charlotte card. Okay. The one in Charlotte. I told him I was like, man, I can't take that. They offered me in two weeks, and I offered to take him in Austin, but they had given to somebody else already. So I was like, ah, life goes on, you know. Yeah, not only does life go on, but I totally agree with you, man, that it's like you got a name like Yushinokami, you kind of got to take that fight, keep that fight intact. So I don't blame you there at all, man. Uh, but- exactly, man. And that, and that just shows how much I've grown in the sport. You know, back in the days, man, my first time in the UFC, I would have taken that in the heartbeat, you know. But nowadays, man, you can't. I, I've grown a lot into the sport. You know, you can't make stupid decisions like that anymore. And, you know, that's going to be the difference for me going on moving forward, man. And I'm really excited about that. Well, all we do is grow and learn every day, man, and, and, and evolve as human beings. And, and for you, a martial artist, so completely understandable. But he's coming off this loss to a Vince St. Peru. You mentioned the, the weight classes there. You know, he's gone up. He's come back down. Uh, and he's decided to compete at welterweight again. It's a big cut for him. He's a pretty big guy. Are you expecting this weight cut to affect him at all? Ah, uh, you know, I, I truly believe it, man, because I, I watch, I've watched a lot of videos on him, and his fights at 170, man, it's just not the same as 185 and 205, man. It's just, it's just not, man. I don't know if he's got that weight down. I don't know if he asked for my, more time to just work on that weight. You know, I'm not really sure, but... Definitely, his fights at 170, he's not the same person he fights when he fights at 185 or even 205. So, we'll see. You know, I'm expecting the best of him. You know, I'm not going to underestimate that or anything. But, you know, I'm working on things to make it affect him, you know. So, I'm excited for that, you know, and we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you. You can't underestimate the guy in any fashion, but it's so crazy to go from 205 to to 170, and then he competed at 185 for the majority of his career. Do you think he's kind of getting desperate to stay relevant, or uh, do you think he has a better opportunity to fight for a title at 170? Ah, man, I have no idea. Right. I have no idea, man. I...
True, true. All right, so moving on for there. You know, you speaking of his last performance, coming off the loss to Vince St. Pru, I know that you spoke about this before in depth, but tell us about the frustrations of the Jesse Taylor fight and him failing that drug test. You know, he's maintained his innocence all along. I'm wondering, do you believe him? Has the fight been overturned? Has there been any talk of the fight being overturned? No, no, the fight won't be overturned, overturned you know, because they, um, he passed our test, you know, we had a tr- drug test the day of the fight, and then the one where he failed was the Usada one, which I think was like eight days later, but, man, I'm over that, you know, when, when it first came out, man, I was really emotional, man, I was just going off emotions, I said a lot of things about him, and, you know, he was just, I was just pissed, you know, at the time I was just pissed, but I'd move on from that, man, you know, I, I, I lived with Jesse for six weeks. So I know how hard he works, man. He he works very hard. He was always training, man. Dillashaw had to pull him away from training sometimes. They're like, hey, you're doing too much, you know, just calm down. So I know how hard he worked for that fight. So I, I, I'm not going to take anything away from him, man. He was better than me that night. He beat me. Steroids or not, he beat me. And, you know, I, I've moved on from that, you know. I, I respect the guy. Uh, I don't know if he did or not. You know, that that's up to him. You know, I've moved on from it. I know he's a hard worker, and, you know, best of luck for him. You know, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to take Yushino Kami out and then go from there. Absolutely. Water under the bridge for you at this point. And, again, you know, you're talking about growing in the sport. This is this is veteran talk from you for sure. Uh, but, you know, considering the suspension all of that, is that a fight you'd like to run back if, if you had the opportunity? Man, if the opportunity is there for sure, you know. I don't really like rematches, man. You lose, you lose, you know, like, it doesn't matter, man. I don't really like rematches, but, you know, in the future, if it's for, like, title title implications, you know, if it's to get that ranked spot, you know, for sure, man, I would love to get that back, you know. So we'll see what happens, you know. I, I can't control the future. We'll see what happens. Right, nobody can, man. <laughs> so tell me about, you You mentioned that you're, uh, you've are you been training all of this time, that fight was in July. Why was there such a big gap between these fights? I know you said originally Yushin was planned for January, but why the six months off? I mean, was there an injury? Did you just want to take some time off, or what happened there? Oh, man, it, it wasn't me, man. I, I've i been trying, man. I tried to fight in October. I tried to fight in November, December, January. I was just fighting, man, and then they offered me, you know, that short notice fight, and then I told him no, and he's like, man, I, you've been asking for a fight, and then I offer you a fight, he won't take it, and it's like, hey, you know, of course you're going to hear some crap from them, but, you know, it, it is what it is, man. I got to be smart, you know. I've been asking for a fight since October, and you're going to offer me a fight in two weeks? Like, I don't want that, man. Right. And I have three kids, you know. It's like I had Christmas, you had New Year's, you know. It's like with the kids, man, it's hard, man, to take a short notice fight around that, you know. And then, you know, I, I, need, I needed a break at first, you know, too, because, you know, once you're in that house, man, I fought three times in four weeks. So I definitely needed a little longer break after that. You know, let the body heal, but yeah. I was ready, but it just, it just didn't happen, you know. And then now, you know, they said April. I was like, all right, let's take April, you know, before they postpone it or something else. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> right, right. Well, again, you know, you got to do what's best for you in your career, man. You can't. Some guys are willing to take short-notice fights as a favor to the company, and sometimes that's a good idea, but uh, sometimes it's not. So I, I agree with you 100% on all of that. Um, but it sounds like it was just lack of opponent. Say what? It sounds like there was just a lack of opponent for you, you know, over this past... Uh, yeah, I believe that, man. I believe that, man. You know, 
believe so, man. I, I'm not sure what they're trying to do with me. So, you know, I, I guess so, man. You know, it it's running thin now, man. There's, you know, there's not a lot of guys out there. So, and people are watching who they fight. You know, there, there's a lot going on right now. So, you know, I, I don't know what they're trying to do with me. So, you know, I, I'm glad they I got this one, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. So shifting gears here for a moment, if you could, I wanted to get your take on your brother's fight against Rory McDonald. What's next for him? And, uh, you know, just give us your thoughts on his performance and, and that incredible fight. Man, yeah, it was an amazing fight. You know, we don't know what's next right now. He's trying to fight in May or June. You know, he doesn't know who's it going to be, you know, what they're going to do with Rory. So I'm not sure. And, man, that fight, man, it, it was a tough fight, man. It was an amazing fight. And I just, man, for me, it's like if you can't walk out of the cage, man, how are you going to take somebody's belt, you know? Like, yeah, he's, he got the takedowns when he needed it, but if you rewatch the fight, man, he didn't throw one punch when they were on the ground, you know? And that was, that was the new rules that were applied. It's like if you get it, damages a lot now, you know, damages most of the fight now. And then you go by these new rules, and then it was everything that they say they wanted to change, and nothing happened, you know? So we were definitely disappointed, you know? Roy did get the takedowns when he needed it, but he didn't do any damage, man. He didn't throw one punch from those takedowns, and... Ah, he was just rough to swallow, you know, but, you know, he'll be back, and he, he knows he can hit with the top five, man. He's definitely a top five in the world, man. Rory has never taken that much damage, man, even on that Robbie Lawler fight. So, you know, my brother's up there, man. A lot of people, he earned a lot of respect that fight, and he just did what we knew he could, and, you know, next time is going to be even worse. Well, I'll tell you what, as far as earning respect goes, he certainly showed the world that, and we've seen this time and time again, that no matter the organization, the top guys in the world are the top guys in the world, and when they compete against each other, you're going to see that elite level of competition that we saw in that fight. But, you know, you're talking about the frustrations of, uh, you know, how damage is scored and all these things. I was excited to hear that the rulings and, and the judging was going to be changed, but seeing that it really hasn't been implemented, I mean, that's got to be even more so frustrating considering that you know what the rules are supposed to be now. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, if you're gonna do it, like really, like for you, really, for you to take somebody's belt, man, and and you can even walk out of the cage. You went straight to the stretch and straight to the hospital. You know, and my brother had a few scratches on his face. That's all. And like, you're gonna take somebody's belt. It's like, ah, uh, you know, I just don't get it, man. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I agree with you. But you know, aside from all that, I know you guys are very tight. It must be pretty beneficial to go on this journey through mixed martial arts with the brother, you guys must be very close and, and, and be able to feed off of each other so much in this sport. Yeah, absolutely, man. Especially being in the same weight class, you know. It's a number one training partner, you know, and he's been helping me out so much. You know, I helped him for his fight, and he you know, goes back and forth, man. We're really close. We live like 10 minutes from each other, and, man, it's just amazing. It really, it truly helps. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So getting back to Okami on April uh, 14th, pretty stacked card. It's on Big Fox. Very great opportunity for you as far as exposure goes. But uh, what fight, aside from your own, are you most excited for? Oh, man, the main event, the main event, man. It's one of the top ones I'm excited for. You know, Matt Brown and Connor, those two are going to put on a show. You know, the Justin Gage, Justin Poirier, man, it's amazing. And there's a few guys I train with at the American Top Team in Coconut Creek, too, you know, like Shoe Face, uh, that... Uh, all the guys from ATT fighting on that card, man. I, I'm excited to see them as well, man. And it's just going to be an amazing card, man. I I cannot wait, brother. Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, 
Carlos and Matt Brown. That's a fight that should have happened many years ago. Now we're finally getting yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. You know, and for me, obviously Gaethje Poirier has fireworks written all over it, but for me being kind of an old school fan, I'm really looking forward to Matt Brown and Carlos Condit. Uh, but Carlos, yeah. Do you think Poirier should be uh, in line for the title if he gets past Gaethje? Man, getting past him, absolutely, man. Dude's putting on so much amazing performances, man. Beat great guys in. Man, absolutely, man. It's either that or run that Eddie Alvarez fight back. You know, that's the one I want to see it finish, man. Right, right. They definitely need to run that one back at some point in the future. It would be a travesty if that didn't happen. Uh, But speaking of the title, who do you think should be next for Woodley? For Woodley, man, RDA for sure, you know. He's earned that, you know. He said it, they said it already, man, and he, he's beat the top guys up there, and, you know, he, he definitely deserved it, man. He, very impressive, you know, come up a weight class and do what he did. You know, it's very impressive. So I think they should need, they need to give it to him. Now, we talked about this a bit before, but for yourself, uh, where does a win over Yushinokami put you in the division? I mean, you say top 30, top 20. I mean, do you think you should get a top 15 opponent with a dominant win over Yushin? Man, absolutely, man. Top, top 30 for sure, but I, I'm really looking at top 20, man. You know, I sure hope so, you know. And then from there, man, we're just going to keep going up, you know. I don't want I don't want anybody that's, you know, ranked after me, you know. But, you know, man, a lot of times now, man, it doesn't even matter. Top guys are getting other fights that are not even ranked. So we'll see what happens, man. And, you know, with the dominant win, man, if, like, somebody gets hurt in the top 10, you know, that that's worth taking a risk, you know. So I'm going to keep my eyes open, man. I'm going to stay in shape and. You know, I'm watching all these other fights, man. You know, like Darren Till, main event. You know, somebody gets hurt. I'm like, hey, coming off a dominant win, man, I'll take that. You know, so you never know what can happen. Right, and those are the kind of opportunities that you want to take on short notice, right? Absolutely, absolutely, man. If it's a top ten, like, I don't care who it is, man, I'll take it for sure. Without a doubt. Now, I I know you already feel like you belong with the elite guys at 170, you know, and I certainly think you have the capability to be there. This is just an instance of putting together some big wins, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, it was just, it wasn't the right time for me, man. You know, everything happens for a reason. I really believe that. You know, it just, I've grown so much in every fight. And, you know, when I thought it was the time, you know, it just wasn't, man. I see everything I did wrong. Like, I, I know mentally, physical, I know everything. And, you know, I truly believe now it's the time for me, man. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I got to say, you know, just speaking with you, you can you can definitely hear how much you've grown in this sport and as a martial artist. And uh, I certainly think that, that big things are on the horizon for you. But uh, you've been more than generous with your time. I just have a couple more questions here for you. Without looking past no Okami, what fight would interest you most uh, with the big win in Glendale? Do you intend to call anybody out or uh, maybe suggest a fight? Other than staying ready for no, a guy to man, drop out. I, I, yeah, I'll just be ready, man. And whatever comes, you know. I, I'm going to talk to Sean Shelby right after, you know. If I come out healthy, you know, everything goes my way, you know, I'm healthy. Uh, I'm looking to fight right away again, you know, maybe even June, July. So we'll see, man. Uh, guys, there's a lot of top guys that just got some big wins there that are on the same ranking as me. So, you know, there's a lot of names, man. So we'll see what happens Uh I don't really care, man. You know me, man. I'm, I'm always looking for a fight. It doesn't matter who. So. No doubt. We'll see what happens. You know? No doubt. And that division is certainly not uh, not shallow as far as contenders go, so you got plenty of options there. Absolutely. So, listen, how active would you like to be this year? How many times do you think you'll be able to fight in 2018? Well, 
No, we're, I'm shooting for four, man. We'll see, hopefully four or five. You know, if I can't, five for sure. So, we'll see, I want to keep it at that, man. Keep it a good pace going. I fought, what, three times in four four weeks last year. So, you know, I, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I'm getting close to 30, man. I'll be 30 next year, man. I got I to gotta still use this youth, you know. So, I'll be looking to fight a lot this year. Definitely, definitely. You gotta gotta take take advantage of these years while you got them, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. And in conclusion, tell all the fans out there what they can expect on Fight Night in Glendale, Arizona, and why this fight is one that they don't want to miss. Give us your official prediction. Man, it's gonna be a great fight. You know, I always come to fight, man. Just make sure you guys tune in. I don't know if it's on Fight Pass or Fox or Fox Sports One yet. They haven't announced that yet, but. You know, just be ready for fireworks, man. You can expect that every time I get in the cage and really looking forward to it and exciting all the fans, man. Thanks for everything. Thanks for the opportunity. And, you know, I'll see you guys in April. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, Diego. Looking forward to the fight. I hope we can catch up after a big win. Uh, Any shout-outs or plugs you'd like to get in before we let you go? Man, just all my fans, you know, thanks for the support. And, you know, everybody at America Top Team and Gwinnett, you know, thank you guys so much. And, you know, let's get it. All right, awesome. Again, thank you, Diego. Looking forward to the fight. Hope you kick some ass on April 14th, and uh, we'll catch up after the win. You have a wonderful evening, man. All right, man. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Later. There you have it, my friends. Seven guests from across the globe. A truly stacked episode. And big mahalo, big thank you to everyone for joining us. Tune in next week and listen to more conversations with some of your favorite MMA athletes. Until then, guys, thank you for tuning in. Big shout-out to everybody on Team Penn. Make sure you guys bookmark us, follow us on social media, stay up to date on the sport that you love, a mixed martial arts, everything you crave from the sport that we love, bjpenn.com. We have got you covered. On behalf of everyone from the whole team, this is Jay Kinch signing off. Mahalo, everybody. Peace out.